episode 263 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined this week by my inverted co-hosts, Peter and Jake. (laughs) That's right, Kurt. Um, This week, we're coming at you live with the uh, Modeling Chocolate is a Valid Art Medium edition of the podcast. Now, you may be wondering where this is coming from. Uh, I heard a take there was someone made a, a chocolate sculpture last, this week. It was, or it was a gif going around the internet. And Reddit had the most fucking Neanderthal take I've ever heard on chocolate, on the modeling that chocolate. They were like, par for the course. Yeah. They were just like, you can't eat it. This is a waste. This is the bourgeoisie stealing our chocolate so they can make their stupid sculptures, which they won't even eat. It's a valuable food source that's going through a shortage right now, and we need to we need to like protect our chocolate economy for the people who are going to eat it, not these not these elites who are using it to sculpt. I'm like, no. I mean, I'll agree that it's uh kind of a silly medium to work in, a bit, but it's it's certainly a valid one. I'm gonna say. People are like, why don't you just use clay? They're the same thing. I'm like, no, no, they're not. Clay and chocolate, <laughs> they're different things. I easily get them confused sometimes. One time, my um, my brother got a a wax sculpture, one of those like novelty wax hand dips you get from mm-hmm. like you know amusement parks or wherever. Yeah. He confused that with a solid hunk of chocolate, and he uh, he bit into it. And uh, was surprised when a bunch of wax beads came pouring out. And he uh, forever ruined my Dane Cook uh, finger thing. Whatever it was. You know that? His, like, symbol. Wherever he does this shit. Oh, sure. I, I guess. Yeah. That's his, that was his, like, I don't know, his fucking symbol. This is this is a... Uh, Dane Cook. A sad story. As, as it went on, it got sad. I, I fixed it, though. I fixed it using... And I was fixing in my cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> I did repair my 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 Dane Cook hand. <laughs> and of course, as always, we're coming at you live from the PS1 remake, Lady Dimitriscu's Castle. I have no idea how to pronounce her name, but she is tall, she is pixelated, and she has big boobies. Thank you. You said what we were, you me. said what no one else could, Jake. Yeah. Yep. That was very eloquently put. <laughs> the f- um before we get into anything, uh happy birthday shout outs to baby Ellie, who is three years old hey, today. You did it. <laughs> um so everyone wish her a happy birthday because if you don't, she will find you and chew your phone charging cable. So that's fair. I think you I've already that. seen that happen. Shit's so worse than Benicula. Um. Now, so we've got trailers. Well, we should right. say what we're watching. This. Well, no, let's say it at the end. Let's, yeah, <laughs> we're doing a thing. We, we'll we'll, we'll, dro- we'll drop subtle hints. <laughs> we'll invert it. We'll invert it, and then you know, add in later. Flip, and then turn say, upside down. Because everything's backwards except radio waves. For whatever reason, those can go 
forwards. Oh god. Maybe it's an inverted radio. Man, you know? <laughs> Gravity, it's still inverted, but it feels the same. How? How? It's not inverted. People are being <laughs> propelled upwards at 9.81 meters per second squared. That's inverted. <laughs> Fucking it. Oh, this movie. Hey, if you can if you can guess what we watched, uh put it down in the comments below and uh we'll pick a lucky winner. Uh grab on a our cell next... phone and just say the name of the movie and then hang up. Don't forget to hit like <laughs> and subscribe. Smash that like button. Well, why don't you just tell me the movie you think it is? <laughs> well, um, we'll tell you the movie that it's not. Uh, and that's Fatherhood. 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 Um, yeah, I was waiting for... It's, uh, it's, uh, what, what's her name? What's the lady with the mole? I always forget her name. Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish, yeah. Cause she's like in almost every movie that um, you know, primarily employs black folk she's a rising for... star or a risen star she's risen, a shining no, she's... star any more rising and she's gonna have to go back into the proofing room or something like that or they're gonna have to <laughs> you know punch it down and, and refold it up and let it rise again because it's like okay if, it's, if it rises too much it won't make a good sourdough loaf <laughs> um this movie actually you know it's 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 uh it doesn't look bad no you know, I can. Kevin Hart's, um, Kevin Hart's the kind of father that every kid should have because he's the kind of father that every kid can really see eye to eye with. <laughs> <laughs> um, like on a serious note, I think this this is uh, an important movie in the sense that we don't have a ton of movies that are about single dads and that kind of mm -hmm, struggle. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know that really examined the the importance of a father's role in the life of a child. Uh, you know, everyone's always about you know, mothers, motherhood, single moms, all that stuff. And not not to discount their struggles or anything, but there's a whole other half of single parents that really don't get the same yeah. sort of uh, service uh, lens held up to them. Yeah, we yeah. here at Saturn Suds are anti-single mothers, uh, and we feel that single fathers. Are the true unsung heroes, so we're glad to get a movie about them. Uh, no, yeah, I, I agree. This, uh, it, I don't know. I felt, I felt warm, and I mean, even though I don't have like any experience or able to uh, empathize with that, maybe no empathize, yes, sympathize, no, um, pathize with with uh, with being able being a father. I think you had them mixed up. I think sympathize is to project a perceived feeling. Onto someone, empathy is to have experienced it yourself. I thought I thought empathize was was not that, but whatever. Whichever one, I'm not a father, so uh, I'll let the <laughs> listener figure that one out. Whatever thighs I am, I'm doing that one. Uh, and yeah, no, it's like a, it's emotional, and like I could definitely see myself in the future. You know, if Kristen were to kick the bucket <laughs> or. Or just anything. I think any father if could she were see to suffer some unfortunate accident. <laughs> if she were to somehow trip down the stairs due to a... If there was going to be, you know, a vat of Old Bay <laughs> um, that, a, that a body was discovered in. <laughs> a body has been discovered. Um, or just... A mogus. They, they, they turn it into a fucking Jake flavor. <laughs> I saw, Maybe it's I like saw a... Jake Fett. 
Maybe if she just happens to wake up with a bunch of crabs in her bed that she's allergic to. Hmm, <laughs> how did that happen, officer? I have no idea. Hides the receipt for ten pounds of crabs. Congratulations, Jake. <laughs> you are now a Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, no, this uh, definitely definitely goes through struggles. I think his wife ends up dying in this movie, uh, or has died from either like, His wife has, has died. And he is, has to be uh, a single father. So it's, it's, it's extra emotional. Dad. Like, fuck, like, shit, that's like... And he doesn't know what he's... He, he's in over his head, but he's trying his best because he loves his daughter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> yeah, somebody's definitely as I forgot what that actor's name is because he's in like a lot of stuff and he's hilarious. Um, his like friend, yeah, uh, shoot, I can't remember his name. Um, but he's like, so man, somebody's somebody must be like cutting onions, and I think that like <laughs> that was like reading the room. I was getting a little misty uh, towards the end of the trailer here. Um, I have I do have a criticism of the trailer in that I it, it's. It's the Netflix trailer formula of let's make a two and a half minute mini movie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've gotten the gist of this movie from the trailer and I don't need to go and watch it. (laughs) A little Ray Howery. Yeah, a little little Ral Howery. Uh, Man, get a better name. Plays (laughs) Jordan in it and is like his best friend. Someone's cutting onions. Yeah, I agree. Like it, it sets up the beginning, the middle, and like pretty much the conclusion of it. Like, okay, he figures out how to be a dad. I don't know. How do you conclude a movie like this, though? Um, like he just maybe finds somebody else or understands. It depends. It. it depends on the, I guess, the general shape of the story, uh, or how how far it goes. Yeah. Like you could end it on like her high school graduation or or something like that college maybe you go way into the future when he's old and ready to die yeah and she's saying goodbye and thank you for for trying your best with me mm-hmm. um but the thing is the, the thing the big failing of this movie is it didn't take 12 years to make like boyhood <laughs> boyhood Oh man, yes. Yeah, so get that niche served. Serve that underserved market. Filmmakers. Um, was not an underserved market. Is um, old Samuel Jackson movies. Oh, oh, it, yeah. Not an underserved market is the protege because this is like the 18th Femfidel movie we've had in the last three years. It seems. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't um, realize Sammy Jackson was in it. Shit, look at that. Sam, Sam Samuel Eluel Jackson, you will. Um, he he's not. He can't be the lead guy anymore. Well, he could, but uh, this, they didn't want to he's pay the, the CGI budget for this. Yeah, I was gonna say he's he's in Spiral because I because when you brought up Samuel Jackson, I'm like, are we talking about Spiral now? Because they did that opening scene. But oh shit, he's in he's in a lot of stuff. How old is this motherfucker? He's like I, I 70. 71. Yeah. God damn. We, we, we looked at this the other day. He's like 71 or 72. <clears throat> he has he has a lot going for him. He's um, six foot age two. Graceful. Now, I, be, I feel like we already I saw mean, this trailer, I right? Probably not anymore. 
Um, no, I don't think we've seen this trailer. I think then what was you're the one where it like the... with every other movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because there was one. They're I... all the same. <laughs> yeah, I think there was one I was remembering where like the woman loses her family and she like she learns to be a super spy for revenge. That's the rhythm section. Yes, with Jude yeah. Law. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You see what has happened here is you confused it with another Femintel movie because they're all the fucking same. There is no originality in the genre. Are you sure this isn't the movie about that the the Russian lady who's a? Uh... No, that's Red Sparrow. Oh, uh, yeah. with... not to be confused with Salt. <laughs> with oh, J-Law. yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's Jennifer Lawrence is in Red Sparrow. Uh. Jennifer, uh, wait, no, not Jennifer Gardner. Um, Let me see. Um... Angelina Jolie's in Salt. That was actually filmed in Albany. Ooh. Oh. Because Albany is a cheap New York City if you're on a budget and you're making a movie. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah, so um, Black Widow's going to do great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a weird trailer well, for that Black has Widow. Well, that has the connected franchise thing that's going for it. So that's... That's 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 the one little unique wrinkle in what will otherwise probably be a bog standard and Patel espionage movie. Oh, dude, it's um, not Batman will, in this. I didn't know that. Yes, Shit. Michael Keaton is in it. Um, that's awesome. Is this every, like the every time to... I get to just see him make faces, I'm a little happier. Just like going back to his roots yeah, as a, a comedian. Um, I think long I before think... he was a Oscar winning or Oscar nominated uh, dramatic actor, mm-hmm. Michael Keaton was a comedian. Yeah. Just for those of you listening at home who didn't see us, because uh, how could you? Um, just imagine Michael Keaton making five different smirks. You know, just hit the the massive collage of of his facial wrinklings. That's just just watch a super just watch a super cut of his scenes and the other guys, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a great uh, origin story for Catwoman. So <laughs> uh, glad to see they have the original Batman in here, Michael Keaton, the only um, Batman. What are you talking about? Definitely not Catwoman, Adam West. Catwoman got fucking. Uh, she got. She fought the makeup lady. <laughs> what? <laughs> she got her superpowers from falling in a sewer. I think. Is that how that movie works? I do not know. <laughs> no clue. Is that like is that how it happened in uh, Halle Berry's Catwoman? Because I yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I don't. Um, I I don't think I've ever watched that movie. I think I've just seen clips of it. So I've never watched the whole thing myself, but uh, I I think I've, I've through osmosis seen the whole movie, like at <laughs> at different points. From different reviewers' perspectives and the clips they've shown, I yeah. think I've seen the totality of the movie, yeah. just never in like sequential order. Because it came out official when we were, release. It came out when we were young, right? Probably like late nineties. Uh, Two thousand four. Whoa! What so the fuck? I would have been I would have been ten. Yeah, um, our parents were still out. like, ah, that Catwoman's got on some skimpy outfits. I don't think my child should be seeing this. My child. Well, I mean, I won't I, let my child was, watch the Simpsons. I won't let like, them watch the Catwoman movie. <laughs> This is that was that would have been like the perfect time for me to have wanted to see a Catwoman yeah. movie because it was before the days you young kids now don't know what it was like being a comics fan in the early noughties because 
there was there was a dearth of these comic book movies. You'd get maybe like one or two every two to four years. Yeah. It wasn't Marvel and DC shitting out six of these fuckers every year. We had to wait and be patient. So there was, there was always a bit of a ravenous hunger. And back then, you know, I'd do shit like say, yeah, Daredevil was pretty good. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it would have been like the right time in my life to see the see that movie in theaters, but I just never did. Very true. Uh, in fact, the first movie I ever saw in the theater by myself, because my mom did not want to sit through it, was... Um, X-Men 3, X-Men United. <laughs> that fucking piece of shit. She made, she made a shrewd maneuver. Oh, man. Um, there's no... There's no segue. There's no segue. Which one do you want me to... Uh, I mean, there's no segues because it's medieval times, as Dave Patel tries to be. <laughs> oh, be okay, Green yeah. Knight. All right, yeah, sure. Uh, Green Knight. The one that the Green Knight, the the one who shepherds uh, black people to the castles they can stay in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that reference. Uh, the Green Book. Is, oh, was, was a book of hotels in the South yes. that black people could stay in. Uh, yep. it was also that uh, that Oscar-winning Oscar. movie. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. with um, Marashala Ali or something like that. Mahershala Ali and Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Uh, Aragon or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, he certainly isn't that green in this movie. Um, Dave Patel making up for his sins that he committed during Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, still trying to make up for that one. I know he's had other movies, but... Well, also, it was just called The Last Airbender. Airbender. Oh, shit. Because Avatar, because Avatar was, was a thing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's why I just all the two. just great timing all around there. Um, so yeah, this tells a little bit more of the the story of the Green Knight. Um, I've seen a summary of the actual um, Arthurian tale of the Green Knight, and it's kind of a weird one. It's a, it's it's a uh, what is, it's like a basically a giant mythical goof. You got punked, <laughs> kid. Because um, I can I'll I'll spoil the whole thing right here. Um, so the trailer covers, so the whole story is Green Knight just comes into the round table one day. He's just like, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to do a thing. Hey, anyone want to hit me? Hit me hard. Do whatever you want. And in one year, I'll get you back. And, um, Gawain's like, all right, sure. Fuck it. Uh, and he lops off the dude's head and Green Knight's like, sweet. So I'll peg you down for a year from now where I slice off your head. Great. Cool. And then he just walks out. Queen's like, well, shit. And he goes through a year of doing chivalrous deeds, and that's what the, it's in the trailer. Is like, he's just trying to be a good knight and go through his quest and find the green knight. Um, and at the end, he goes to a keep, and there's like, um, he does something with like the lord and the lady. He's like, I don't want to die. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a trick. I'm gonna pull a trick on the green knight, but he fails because the green knight and the lord and the lady was like him in disguise. And he's like. I gotcha. Now I get to get my hit in. And he swings the axe, and it fucking... He, like, nicks Gawain's neck. He's like, see, I got you back. All right, you just got punked. Hell yeah. <laughs> and he just fucks off. And that's... <laughs> because the whole thing was... Um, who's the lady? Who's the lady in Arthurian Legend? The evil... 
Um, Mordred. Mor. Morgan. Morg. Yeah, maybe. Um, let me look up who's the lady in Arthurian legend. Who's lady in? So this is David Lowry's. Yeah, David Lowry. Um, he is uh known. Oh, Morgan. Probably Morgan. mostly yeah. for the live action Pete's Dragon. Oh. Yeah. So, like, the one thing about that movie that you could say about it is it looks nice. And uh, looking at the trailer for The Green Knight, he definitely has a color palette and and a shot style that he likes. And he puts it in his movies. Yeah. Because <laughs> this looks a lot like Pete's Dragon. <laughs> I, Lots th- of there forests. There was one scene that was kind of weird. Uh, there was a fox scene that the CG was all over the place for, so maybe it'll get touched up. But I don't know. It says it's completed, so it doesn't say it's in post production still. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you just have to live with bad CG. No, I need I need the most Chef's Kiss pristine CG out of my my Sir Arthur Conan Doyle movies. Well, then maybe you should get yourself an ancient jade teapot and summon the Wish Dragon. Hey. Yeah, definitely don't rub it three times. Cause that's uh, copyright infringement on Aladdin. I don't know that it was a number of times you had to rub the lamp. I just think you had to rub the lamp. You're conflating the three wishes and the rubbing of the lamp. <laughs> um, um, maybe I am. My <laughs> life is a lie. I don't know what's happening anymore. Um, yeah, so this is uh, a Netflix original animated movie. And boy, oh boy. Does it scream Netflix original animated movie? It screams made for China audience. <laughs> um, I believe, I feel like I saw the the teaser for this in Chinese a while ago. Yeah. And I yes. think yes. they got we, Jackie I, Chan I, to do the dragon, right? In in the original Chinese? Wait, actually, no. I was I was confused myself because I, I thought I remembered seeing this. But then I thought more about it. And I think that one... Had they've they've done a lot of these movies recently, and wait no maybe yeah. I don't know because because okay. now I'm thinking about the one with the girl and the 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 blue monster thing and they're on rooftops. Yeah, um, that's something different. Um, here I got it. Yeah, oh, okay. Wish Dragon official trailer, new 2020 Jackie Chan yeah. animation adventure HD. He did the Mandarin dub. You couldn't can't yes. get him in America okay. anymore. But um. All right, so we did see this. It it did seem hauntingly familiar, but I thought I was just confusing it. I thought I was confusing it with another. It's like a femme fatale movie. <laughs> so many animated wish granting. No, yeah, because monster movies. Well, yeah, after like um, I forgot. Yeah, there was a Yeti or something like that movie that came out. Yeah, it's like this blue Yeti type thing, and they're like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta get him to to his home." Oh, and the other yeah. guy's like, well, "I don't know." It's like, "Let's run on rooftops," because I'm. I'm go getting girl character. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the Yeti and getting him home. Um, I don't remember anything else. But what's new? What's new for me? Yeah, so he's a, he's a goofy dragon. The guy rubs a JT pot and the dragon pops out. And he's like, I'm going to make your wish come true. He has a bunch We're going to have lighthearted away. family adventures. Yeah. Um, 
Because Lord knows the kids aren't going to get fucking live-action Aladdin. They're like, what the fuck is this? Why am I... The adults are like, yes, it reminds me of my childhood. And the children are like, this reminds me of my nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, have it out there. You know, kids need kids need a Three Wishes magical creature movie. <laughs> oh, I feel like live-action Aladdin was meant to be kids' um, Aladdin <laughs> for, like, our generation. I think it was meant to be the updated version because I think most of the people who grew up with Aladdin saw it and were like, what the fuck is this? Like, it danced on their childhood's grave. It's, <laughs> it reminded them of it in that sense, but not, like, in a positive way. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah. Don't, I guess I don't know. I always thought they were trying to really, really market to the older the people who well, saw the original I mean, one. That's the thing is, like, the, the people who saw the original one are, are parents now and they're like oh yeah aladdin my kid would probably like that because mm-hmm. i liked it as a kid and then they saw the the fucking modern disneyfication of it and were like oh no <laughs> okay you know what kids won't like the purge foreign i was gonna say foreign prisons Okay, we'll do that one, and then we'll talk about the American so foreign, Matt, foreign politics and American politics. So Matt Damon uh, put on like eighty pounds, grew a beard or goatee rather. <laughs> Jason then... Bourne went into deep cover for this movie. <laughs> oh. I don't think he gained any weight. Oh Jacob. my god, he looks he looks pretty Jason like Matt Damon Bourne. to me. No, he's he's gained like uh, one hundred and twenty six pounds for this role. Jake, Since Goodwill Jake, hunting, go house, maybe, but like he looks the same as he did in the board trilogy. So Matt Jake, if I open up that door behind you, are you, am I going to find like a USA Today? Like, am I going to find a People Mag, like a stack of People magazines, just like hidden behind you, and it's got all the paparazzi shots of like Matt Damon with like a beer in his hand, and he has like maybe a little <laughs> pot belly, and you're like, yeah. is Matt Damon getting fucking huge? <laughs> Matt Damon eats cheese. Oh my god, there was a there was a Gwyneth Paltrow thing that she got a lot of flack for. She got she had an interview or some shit, and uh, she was for like quack pseudoscience. <laughs> no, she opened her mouth and something stupid came out of it. I'm shocked. Well, she said, she was like, yeah, during this pandemic, I hit some real lows. I just started eating, like, pasta and bread and cheese and drinking every night. And, like, the tabloids just hooked on to that, like, eating pasta and cheese as, like, oh, my God, Gwyneth Paltrow goes through real people issues by eating pasta and cheese. (laughs) And this bigger thing that she was, like, hitting on was the fucking drinking, like, like COVID mm-hmm. ran her to like alcoholism, which is a little bit more like relatable, but and you know, yeah, but sure everybody is. else sure. ran to so the pasta. Was, thing. This was a team fumble. This is just a fumble on everyone's part. Then, but anyways, I mean, well, I mean, like, <laughs> but that's like Gwyneth Paltrow to a T, though. Like, yeah, I'm feeling really down. I'm just. I'm eating a lot of bread and cheese because yeah. she doesn't know what it's like to to struggle. Like she comes from a wealthy family yeah. and became a very successful Hollywood actress at a very young age. She's never wanted for anything in her life. So, yeah. so her no, idea she's... of a crisis is having to you know eat carbs. Side her note. her dealing with uh with with problems uh, through carb management like the like the mm-hmm. like the villagers that she. She rules over. Yeah. Uh, uh, side note, um, isn't it weird how we spell want? Like when you are want for something, we spell it like won't, but without the apostrophe. 
Um, That's weird. Yeah, but I think it comes from like wanton destruction, like okay. that Latin root. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Matt Greek. Damon is wanton destruction uh, to get his daughter in. Yeah. So 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 imagine in this movie, still water, if you will, a a uh, wrongfully accused got to clear the name of someone uh, espionage kind of plot and um the born identity and 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 mix them together add an add a southern accent and a goatee on matt damon you got still water yeah Boom. a nice american yeah. hat maybe a fur or a shavy hat and then so uh, tommy a, joe uh, has man. to learn the ins and outs of international extradition he got some I sunglasses <laughs> You know, some nice polarized so you can see through the, the surface of the water, like when I s- see some bass underneath. <laughs> when I started seeing this uh, this trailer, I'm like, is this another one about, like, small town America and, like, a farmer has to, like, stand up to the corporations or whatever? <laughs> that's, that's what I thought this movie was about for the first, like, minute. And I was like, oh, I thought wait, this no. was going to be, like, a uh, based on a true story mm-hmm. thing about the Amanda Knox case. Oh. Um, mm. Or... Wait, she was the one who was living in Italy, right? And uh, was accused of killing her boyfriend? Yes. She spent four years in Italian prison following her conviction for the murder of 2007 murder of Meredith Kutcher, a fellow exchange student who shared her apartment. Um, she she didn't do that. Um, so I thought that mm-hmm. what, was what this what was going to be about. But... Uh, looks like they just kind of like took a little of the elements here. So I will read to you the synopsis. An American oil rig roughneck travels to Marseille, France to visit his estranged daughter in prison for a murder she claims she didn't commit. Confronted with language barriers, cultural differences, and a complicated legal system, he soon builds a new life for himself as he makes it his personal mission to exonerate her. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's a romance subplot where he gets a new daughter who's not in prison. <laughs> Who gets a yeah. new daughter? Well, it's the it's like yeah. the lawyer lady's like, I can help you out with your case. I also have a daughter, and I'm single. Wink, wink. I just I just can't wait for the scene where he's donning his reading glasses in front of a laptop in in a dark room, reading up on on French law. Oh God, I can see that <laughs> with scene Google right Translate. Now. Oh fuck mm. me, mm. that's. Jake, you kiss. fucking wizard. You fucking <laughs> Nostra dumbass. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I can't take all the credit because there is a scene where he's in front of a computer with reading glasses on. But I just imagine that's about the invigorating topic of French law and their extradition policies. <laughs> it's it's all in... Um, he's got like French law for dummies. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, French <laughs> law for <laughs> dummies, but... Oh, and this is going to lead up like the climax is him like... He understands the law, and he's gonna like defy he's his Americanism. Yeah, and... he's in the courtroom, yep. stumbling through in like broken French. <laughs> your honor, your honor, we, we, your honor, we. I would Je like omelet du fromage, le witness et le défendant. I will prosecute. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of Leisure. Just like saying American <laughs> words in like a French accent, thinking it's going to translate to French. That's like a Will Ferrell movie. That's like a Will Ferrell movie. Where he's like, yeah. Your Honor. Well, 
<laughs> no, what I, I really thought if want... I could say it in the French accent, it would translate. It's yeah, it's it's fucking Sasha Baron Cohen's character yeah. from uh, Ricky Bobby. I, I I hope they try to do something where it's uh um remember in uh the the Quentin Tarantino movie with the the Jews uh, Inglorious Bastards where the mm-hmm. one guy I forgot what his name is uh what the actor's name was but he was like the the guy from Brooklyn who was trying to speak uh Italian and he was like Bongiorno <laughs> just wanted <laughs> to speak like French words in an American accent uh we. Oui. Uh, uh, je ne sais quoi. J'accuse. J'accuse. Uh, yes, I would like to prosecute le omelette du fromage. So as you can tell, we're, we are very well-versed francophiles. Francophones? Not francophile. Francophones. That's a different thing. <sighs> Jesus. Is yeah, a francophile no. someone who is only... Uh... Sexually interested in French people, perhaps that might be true. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gonna be uh, either way. I have there's a pack of Quebecers like on our trail right the fuck now. They're coming down with they're, they're do? coming down with their their honey water boiled bagels, and they're gonna fucking hot wine. What the fuck, yeah, honey water Poutine. boiled bagels? Let me fucking show you. I'm gonna as a them. New Yorker, I have to say that's fucking blasphemy, huh? You gotta get dirty. Jake, you grew up roughly the same distance away from New York City as someone in Montreal did. Yeah, I don't. I I can't. I really can't claim uh, boiled bagels. It's about six hours from New York City to Montreal. It's about six hours from New York City to Buffalo. Buffalo's got their own. I'm closer to New York City than I have ever lived in my entire life. (laughs) Now that I moved to Maryland. But no, I do know the process of, of making New York City bagels. You get their dirty fucking tap water, and you just... No, our, the New York City they water is water. filtered in from the fucking Catskills. It doesn't yeah. come from the city. It's piped in dirty. from the fucking mountaintops. Yeah. Dirty mountain- Hudson River tap water. Like, <laughs> if you like, If you go up to anyone with a pair of Timberlands, if they're wearing Timberlands, you can ask them about New York City tap water. They will write you their own fucking thesis on how good New York tap water is. They love that it's, shit. It's, the only people more fanatic about their tap water are the Scots. <laughs> <laughs> And they will they will say it is why that's, the bagels That's taste all so I good. know about <laughs> Scotland is that they are just in love with their tap water. Like there was a meme on Scottish people Twitter um on Reddit when they announced that fucking they found water on Mars or whatever and it's just the guy throwing the cards down and it's like I bet it's not as good as our fucking tap water. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, try making bagels with it if it's so fucking fancy. Ooh, Mars, Martian bagel. Martian bagels. Martian bagels. Coming 2035 when Elon finally gets <laughs> Do there. Do you speak Martian? Do you speak English? I speak Jacques Martian. <laughs> we'll get Matt Damon on it and he'll, he'll, he'll speak Martian in a night. <laughs> well, he was the Martian, wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't? Wait. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's already been there. Wait, why he's, did I think he was Last current. Samurai? I got him confused with Tom Cruise of all people. <laughs> because this movie, he looks more like Tom Cruise than Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> if Tom Cruise's fucking experimental height enhancing pills actually worked <laughs> like he doesn't look like Matt Damon I thought he was like a dead guy for a second who is his name I forgot his a name. dead guy 
<laughs> Gerald, that guy, uh, whoever. Shoot, uh, he he um, he was in Hunger Games. Oh gosh. Oh, that doesn't help me. Uh, I don't watch fucking teen movies. He was in Hunger Games, but he was also uh. Oh God, I remember. There was a kid. So when we took our Philip trip Seymour down to Hoffman. Philip you thought he looked like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Just a little bit. Philip Seymour Hoffman with a goatee. He looks like. All right, I'm putting. You know, what, I'm gonna stick with it. Matt Damon looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman with a goatee. Okay, we're. T- Jake is on record with that one. If if that's the hill you want to die on, far be it for me to stand in your way. Like, like rest in oh. peace, sir. But you look like Matt Damon looks like you now. Oh, all right. Well, I guess it's time we talk about the forever part. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah. The the main thing about this trailer is it features one of the greatest lines in all movie history. All crime is now illegal. (laughs) All crime is now illegal. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There's a good one in the movie we watched today where it's like, uh, it might be spreading too far. Meaning what? She's going to (laughs) die. (laughs) <laughs> I fucking lost it at that exchange. <laughs> no, not I'm even s- a little bit. I mean, the hair color is different, but I, I actually I, I I see what I see what you're going for. I see where you're going for. But um, yeah. Side note, that is a very tough facial hair to get to get working. Oh, you good. need a tall chin. Mm-hmm. Because okay, otherwise. Otherwise, you look like um, fucking Brian David Gilbert. Brian David Gilbert when he does his like, you ever seen his Hugh Brandity video? No. Oh. Uh. So um, anything else? I didn't watch the trailer of, of Purge Forever. Um, the Forever Purge. You're like, what? Really? Again? Just I oh, actually Jesus. thought they were done with purges. Um, and then. Uh, this this fucking movie came out, so I guess uh, basically the concept of the movie is there's one another purge, it ends, and then there are some people who don't get the memo, and they want the purge to continue forever, and say that like no, like this is how it's gonna be from now on. Like we need more than one night. They try to kill like more uppity people. The fucking U.S. starts to collapse, and then Mexico is like opening its borders which will would never happen and are like like movies continue to portray mexico in this like just incredible benefactor way of like whenever some shit happens to america mexico is just gonna be like open the borders let them in let them in and i don't think that's ever gonna happen (laughs) maybe some but like day after tomorrow the whole premise was like, uh, get that was to like the only other movie I could think of that had that happen. I didn't want to like <laughs> shut you down there because you were you're building ahead of steam. I wanted to see where it went, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure the only no, yeah. other movie I can it's think like of is the day movie. after tomorrow. Day after tomorrow, and then for the forever purge. There's day after <laughs> tomorrow, and no other examples. <laughs> These are the, it's two. the hot new thing. It's the... Oh god, this um, is a new trend. <laughs> 
This fucking well, comment. that's just fucking Roland Emmerich's like trying to like shove <laughs> activism into the end of every movie he's ever made. He's like, oh yeah, we all have to seek refuge in the the countries we so callously referred to as the third world. Exactly. Yeah, and then they're going to be the ones that are doing okay, just like just like what happened during COVID. I mean, when America was hitting was getting hit hard, you know, Mexico definitely opened up its borders to allow refugees from America to scamper on into the the Mexico. <laughs> the Mexico. El Mexico. <laughs> I wanted to get to a point in the US and Mexico where like the political climates are, are such that like for certain people life in Mexico is a lot more appealing and for certain people life in America is a lot more appealing. And so like there's like this like two way highway of yeah. illegal immigrants going back and forth. <laughs> one coming in, one going out. Well, that's what we should be doing. We should be giving Perfectly balanced. so much money to, to just make life appealing there so we can get rid of some of these guys over here. There's a, so many there's people. A, no, in, there's a turnstile at the border. You go and, I feel like there's a ton of... Parts of Mexico are really nice. Like mm-hmm. They just got to get water. Really fucking nice. They just ha- they, there's just a lot of poverty in a lot yeah. of the outlying And every time areas. an American movie goes to Mexico, they're like, all right, we need to film in the desert and slap an orange filter on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got to make, we got to, if it doesn't look like Mars, I don't know what the fuck there's we're no doing. Grass. It's not like, you know, Mexico City exists and has like Aztec pyramids and a lot of interesting fucking history. It's not uh, like. No, the, just the desert. It's not like the capital <laughs> is built is, on a desert. verdant lake that's been there for millions of years. <laughs> well, I'm um I'm actually doing a work trip, I think, in the near future in down in Mexico. So, huzzah. Get the, um, get some nopales. Uh, they're the, they're the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, charred. Uh, cactus thingies. Cool. Char cactus. Uh, I do like this this comment from the trailer. Uh, I swear the purge started with a family. Now it's going to Mexico. Then it's gonna go to Canada International, and then like final purge the moon. It's just like the Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I could see that. When when's the Jason X of purge movies? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then uh, then we got our big one. Yeah. Yeah. Big red. So like, the, yeah, yeah Venom, like let there him. be courage. So, um, first things first. How do you feel about the PG like, thirteen? Didn't it would the first one was PG thirteen, wasn't it, or was that R? Uh, I think it was PG thirteen because they said fucking turd in the wind. Yeah, but they also like had him like eat a person on camera, so. Um, uh, first one was PG thirteen. Yeah. Okay. So it's the same issue I had with it then as I do now. Like I really feel like Venom is a movie that should be rated R. Yeah. It's a violent character. Um, it's it was definitely like shot in such a way that made it look like they were trying to hit a ma- more mature audience with it. And there were a lot of issues with Venom. I I felt that it was. It was nice that the Venom movie existed. Um, I would have preferred it be a little bit better, but there was there was a good foundation to work off of there. And um, from the trailer here, like it, it's a trailer. I'm not going to make any sweeping declarations about the movie, but there's some issues I have right off the bat with um, the Venom eddie brock relationship there they're not like 
really super separate entities they should be like mm -hmm. he refers to venom as something else it's not he doesn't when like to... his most iconic line is we are venom they're they're a collective it's the symbiote is living inside of him and they're living symbiotically <laughs> together um so mm -hmm. like having him be like just oh there's this weird alien in my head and we're we're separate people and he's he's uh, trying to learn how humor which yeah. i kind of liked um but i, it, I it's 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 a silliness that is not bad like some of the things are kind of funny they're just not appropriate for venom as a character mm -hmm. um when i heard that they were originally they were going to cast jim carrey as cletus cassidy and then when they updated it to be woody harrelson i was a little like i don't i don't know if i see that but the the trailer he didn't look bad in motion uh ditto carnage i thought carnage looked pretty good actually um and if they focus on the action, I think it'll be okay. My worry is that they're going to do a little more of the, the silly, goofy shit that doesn't really super work for me. And mm. we're going to have like 30 minutes with Carnage at the end of the movie. Um, which might not be... So if you focus on Cletus Cassidy, building him up as a character... And then have like thirty minutes of courage fighting, and just a, a little sprinkle of the the silly stuff, which is in there for the kids. Which is another reason why I think it'd be better with an R rating because then they wouldn't have to worry about attracting kids mm -hmm. to see it. Um, and but if they if they focus on their strengths, I think this has the potential to be a good movie. I'll probably like it anyway because it's it's just fun to see your favorite characters on the screen. It's what I was talking about growing up in the past where we didn't get comic book movies all the time. So when, when your favorite superhero like Daredevil gets a movie, it's a big deal. Even if the movie isn't so good, you're like, I'm glad that this exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Regarding the R rating, like, I don't know. I I agree that they should um certainly try it because I if if uh what was what else was Deadpool for if not as a good proof of concept for yes you can do an R rated superhero movie and have it be popular. What's funny about that though is Blade in 1998 was an R rated superhero movie of like a very obscure character. And mm -hmm. it did very well. Yeah. So I don't know why they shied away from it until 2016 when Deadpool came out and made, you know, a lot more money because that's just how movies are these days. They make a lot more money. Well, um, maybe they were just min-maxing and they were just like, all right, well, we we know we can get we can get a lot we can get some good money out of out of a rated R, but we can get even more out of. Yeah, you know, I, that's always the theory. Is like PG-13 does like double your effective audience really because of all the kids yeah. that can see it but there you have to like look at it from a perspective of is this your big money maker sony like can't spider-man be the family-friendly superhero franchise yeah. that everyone goes to and venom be the more adult oriented superhero well franchise Maybe their end goal is is to combine the two properties and. Well, there there were a little, uh, th yeah. There, I think that's the goal because there's a few like Easter eggs to the at least the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man stuff. Mm. 
in there. Um, and uh, so I, I, I don't know when, but it's coming. There's going to be the crossover movie between Spider-Man and Venom. I don't know if it's going to be a team-up or Spider-Man versus Venom. Uh, God help us if it's Spider-Man versus Venom and it turns out like the last big superhero versus film. Um, but that's definitely coming down the line. I just, I understand the financials of why you want PG-13 and, you know, you can get away with it. It doesn't need to be rated R, but I think with it being rated R, not just the violence, but it gives you a lot more leeway and freedom and how you want to tell a story because you're not restricted by is this going to be age appropriate like you can have a very like more real story like mm-hmm. you can do something like a fucking like Cletus Cassidy's a serial killer you can mm-hmm. do a more like brutal and realistic representation of him as a serial killer with yeah. rated R than you can with PG thirteen. It's just how it's not just even violence. It's like the the maturity of the themes can get you an R rating. Right. Um and I mean Lord knows. No no one likes no one's interested in serial killers. True crime no. isn't an interesting topic. It's not like there's no. podcast upon podcast upon Netflix series upon documentary detailing every single fucking killer that's ever been thrown in jail. Check out our new podcast, Saturn Killers. It's our new true crime podcast. Kill studs. Kill studs. <laughs> serial studs. Making oh! Cereal oh! Stud. No, no. We, we already did serial studs for our <laughs> reviews of sugary cereals. But no, it's just spelled differently. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we could do that. Cereal with an S. <laughs> but no, that's, that's our podcast on serial numbers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the like the uh, the dollar serial number collecting community. Hey guys, I scanned something really neat yesterday. Let me show you. So this is this is a table of of red rubber balls. It has their circumferences listed, and it's sorted by serial number. So while the mathematician and physicists are fucking around with calculus and water displacement, I'm just going to my table. <laughs> I love me a good table. Uh, Love me uh, serial number. Yeah, that's that's Venom. Let they recur. Like I, I hope this will be good. I'm rooting for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. but when you love something, sometimes you're more critical. Also, can we get the fucking spider symbol on Venom, please? Like it just looks so much better. And mm-hmm. I know that that's a design that Venom's had in some comic runs like ultimate spider-man he didn't have the fucking spider symbol uh for a long time but it just doesn't look good it feels like it's missing something it looks less like venom and more like cgi monster mm-hmm. I see that. yeah I would, I would, i'd like to do like a little bit more comic book accurate venom but um so far, I mean, he, the the stuff that they are doing with him, with like the action and stuff, is, is looking pretty. Yeah, good. Yeah, the action looks really good. So if they, yeah. I think that, and that was a strength of the first movie too. The action sequences were really cool. Even like the motorcycle chase, which you know was a little uh, cheesy and schlocky at times, was a pretty cool sequence. Yeah. Um, and I I hope that my hope is that they lean more into that here. 
Um, and you can you have an opportunity for a lot of action. Like when you're telling, if you tell Cletus's origin story, you can have action of him, you know, evading police and you know committing heinous acts. And then you can have action with uh, whatever Eddie and Venom are getting up to in the middle of the movie. And then, you know, action with with Ravencroft. And then you, you bring everything together. Um, and it, it, it coalesces into the climax, which hopefully is a little stronger than the other Venom climax. I think it will be just based on the strength of Carnage as a villain, mm-hmm. uh, not even in like the character being really good, but just like it being more recognizable than whatever symbiote from Separation Anxiety they went wrath. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, first right. Venom. yeah. The first one. That's I think that's my one concern with this is that it's gonna be like too similar to like the first movie, where he's just like he's still battling another symbiote. Yeah, it that's that's that is another really good criticism that you bring up of the first movie. They really wanted this to they really wanted the first Venom movie to be I feel like they wanted it to be like separation anxiety. Or I'm sorry, not separation anxiety, uh Lethal Protector, which was mm-hmm. Venom's first solo book. Uh where he uh like saves mole people from a uh, a uh, drilling company oh, but comics. like my, my point is it was it, it was like a corporation like he took on like a, mm-hmm. a evil corporation that was like drilling in these spots that threatened to like collapse the homes they weren't like really mole people they were just people who were living underground because they were displaced by external gotcha. factors um and you know the the hook was like this is venom he's a villain or at least he's trying to go straight, but he's still, you know, a killer, and he like right. kills the bad guys. Now he's you could have done that, and then saved Car. I think, I think you're right, Jake, in that it it feels, uh, less important that he's fighting another symbiote because we just saw it in the other movie. Yeah, it's just like he's gonna have different moves than Wrath or something like that, and it's a different I guess. Uh, he's a serial killer, so he's probably going to get out and try to like kill innocent people a little bit more. But still, in the end, it's going to come down to a Venom oh. symbiote for symbiote fight. I think the hook here, though, um, I'm not, I don't know this for sure, but I think Carnage is going to survive this movie. I can see that, yeah. Because in my head, while I'm looking at this, and uh, you said kill innocent people, and it just clicked two gears together in my head, and I'm like, oh... What if the Spider-Man Venom crossover is Maximum Carnage? Or at least like a diluted down movie version of Maximum <laughs> Carnage. Yeah. Yeah, let's see that. Yeah, that well, that's, that's a, true. Is that a famous comic where... Yeah, well, yeah, Maximum a... Carnage is is, uh, is a pretty famous story. It's but, so famous uh, that they fucking made a game out of it. Yeah. It has, it like has a lot game. of stuff in it that... Uh, like you could like it's a huge crossover event and you have a lot of heroes and villains showing up for like half of an issue and then piecing out so like you couldn't really do it uh like the comic in the film but it might not be 
bad for that. Like, it might be better if it was just Spider-Man and Venom teaming up to take down Carnage. Um, which would still be big in, in this connected universe, even though they were never, like, opposed in it. Mm-hmm. Like, they were never fighting against each other. That's what made it bigger in the comics. It's like, oh, Spider-Man and Venom are teaming up. Never thought we'd see this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Alright, so that's Trey Watch. Um, moving on to the follow-up for the domestic box office 2021 weekend 19 May 7th through the 9th year of our Lord 2021. Um, in first place is Wrath of Man leading the severely diminished box office from its whatever holiday weekend high that it hit not that long ago Mm -hmm. Uh, but it rolled in a solid 8.3 million dollars for a total gross worldwide of 26.46 million dollars as it hauled in an additional 17 million dollars international a lot of that probably from the UK Um, Demon Slayer Mugen Train uh, had a pretty big drop off it had another one last week too, if I remember correctly. It went up in theaters too. Yeah, 183 theaters went on, got one in on that action, that so, saucy yeah. anime action. Uh, but still a respectable three million dollars. Um, it's made a lot of money, 432 million dollars worldwide. That's probably the highest grossing anime movie of all time. I mean, it's probably got it's probably got legs because people are. Seeing it's out, it's, uh, you know, it. You also have to watch the anime to like catch up to it. It's not like a standalone movie. It's part of the anime. Yeah. Um, but uh, the review said that the movie's better than fully formed animes. <laughs> Possessive. <laughs> yeah. The I think the the weebs just needed to converge like salmon swimming upstream for spawning season. And also, what I heard is that the second season of Demon Slayer is going to take place after Mugen Train, so they're not doing what they did with Dragon Ball, where they're splicing the movie up. There might be like a flashback or something, or like callbacks, but apparently the movie is like part of the anime, and there's not going to be this made into the first several episodes. Yeah, I can't see, like, Box Office Mojo doesn't do, like, categories anymore. So I can't like compare like I think this it's made as much money as it has because of a very strong performance. Uh, I'm sure in Asian markets, mm-hmm. I'm not sure at 37 million if it's the highest grossing anime movie domestically. Uh, it's probably yeah. it's certainly in the top five, but it was mm-hmm. the right movie at the right time, uh, which is surprising because I felt like my hero. Academia underperformed pretty hard here, um, so I was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe the new new weebs don't uh, go to movies as much." Did Broly only get one hundred and fifteen? One fifteen worldwide. I thought it did better than that. Yeah, it didn't do as strong in the Asian markets. Okay, gotcha. Huh. Yeah, but I, I think mean, this, it made, a, made lot a lot of money domestically here. Um, yeah, it's it's popular with its audience, and its audience seems to be fairly large, um, or at least more willing to go, more fanatical in their fandom, where they will go to, go to the theater to see it. 
Uh, Mortal Kombat slips down to third, down six. Another huge week-to-week loss for Mortal Kombat. Um, $2.4 million. It's made $73 million worldwide. Um, Damn. If you want that sequel, you better hope the HBO Max numbers look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, right. Or hope that... Well, if it doesn't do well, they're probably going to just scale down the budget by a lot and shove the the two sequels they have planned on the HBO Max to try to get you to sign up. Mm -hmm. Um, Which... Would would be interesting to see what a very stripped down budget for Mortal Kombat two looks like. That'll be like Annihilation. <laughs> God. I'll be competing for the which which is the worst Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Like everyone's like, which is better, nineteen ninety five, twenty twenty one, then which is worse, Mortal Kombat Annihilation or Mortal Kombat Two. Um Godzilla vs. Kong, the other Warner Bros. movie. Uh pretty Good retention rate, only down 30%, $1.98 million in a couple more theaters as well. That's made $423 million worldwide. Pretty impressive. Uh, separation falls two spots down to six, $1.05 million. And then here today, Billy Crystal's dramatic piece opens in seventh in just 1,200 theaters for a gross of 1.042 million dollars and more importantly the role of spotlight film here on the sounds does podcast hey. um this movie despite looking pretty good to us is getting uh mixed reception it's only got a 45 percent on rotten tomatoes it's got a 40 on metacritic um with uh it's not like it's even polarizing. A lot of the reviews are middling to bad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, which is a pretty solid score. Yep. Um, but you know the drill. Professional critics, they're not real people. They get paid to watch movies. They've got agendas they're pushing. They've got secret studio payoffs. They've got George uh, Soros to please, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who are real. They're just out there. Workaday world. They might sit next to you. They might be on the bus next to you right now as you're listening to this podcast. You'll never know. They could be but you. Know this. It could be any one of us. <laughs> know this. It could be me. That they are real reviewers with real reviewer traits. And they're the people we trust to give us the skinny on a movie. So, DigiArt. 12 is one such hero mm-hmm. um here today at a, 8 out of 10 bill and tiffany gone hollywood here today is a modernized throwback movie it's typical billy crystal and that's just fine actually it's, it's just and that just fine it's a nice combination of comedy and drama with just a couple of big laughs numerous chuckles and tearjerker drama the update is tiffany haddish calling to mind billy's team up with Gregory Hines, who is great. There's a real chemistry between Billy and Tiffany, and it makes it all more fun. It's old-fashioned Hollywood, and it was a very good time. Two out of two people found that helpful. Just old-fashioned. 100%. Jeez. 
got oh, Jake. It is uh, not not a whole lot we got going for one stars, but we got one out of ten by FDSA FDSA FD. <laughs> I slapped my keyboard. Yeah, they just they didn't care about their name. One out of ten, Billy's gone. Quote woke. A touching story of how we can all live in harmony. Borfest, skip this. Three out of thirteen found it helpful. Yeah, that's, all, that's all I got. That's all I got for that one. <laughs> all right. Well, I can make up for this because I got, I got, I got a five out of ten here from TF Mindful, which I believe, uh, after a quick uh, look at his uh, profile, this is Film Buff Tim on Facebook. Um, <laughs> five out of ten. Nineties cable movie. Uh, five oh nine. What does that mean? Uh, I think it's his 509th review because I looked on his profile and he he numbers every one of them. Uh, Here today, directed, written by, and starring Billy Crystal, tells the coming of old age story of Charlie Burns, a famous writer who is now suffering from dementia (laughs) and all the fun that seems to entail. It feels like this was probably a labor of love or a passion project for Billy Crystal, However, to me, it felt like a 1990s cable movie, with Crystal and old man makeup, and more than likely Queen Latifah co-starring, maybe even Woody Allen doing the Charlie voice. Main story is this. Charlie is meeting someone for dinner, a fan, who won the chance to meet Charlie at a charity. Instead, the fan's ex-girlfriend, Emma, played by Tiffany Haddish, shows up, because, well, she's getting even. She's loud, over-the-top, and funny compared to Charlie's quiet and subdued manner. Remember that 90s vibe I was talking about? Well, there it is. At dinner, Emma orders enough seafood to feed a small nation. Seafood that she is also allergic to, which results in face-swelling hijinks and a trip to the hospital. And this incident locks the two in a close, kind of unbelievable friendship that only really happens in movies. I lost my fucking place because it's all one paragraph. Here we go. First half of the movie is decent. Has some laughs. Second half kind of fell apart for me. Felt it rushed in all the family drama stuff too fast and all at once. And it just lacked believability. I honestly thought at one point Emma was a figment of Charlie's imagination. And he probably did something awful to her in the past. It just had that vibe to it. That was one sentence. Ah. Well, that's just my opinion. Tiffany Haddish is really funny in it and performs some great songs in it. Although her flirting with 70-plus-year-olds while singing Janis Joplin's Piece of My Heart at Charlie's niece's bar mitzvah was a little odd, but oh well, it wasn't awful. It just wasn't great, anywhere near great either. It'll be on Lifetime soon. (laughs) That's a two out of five. I knew it. All right. Well, Lenore95704... What a chore. Uh, has a different opinion. Here today, 10 out of 10. Excellent! With one, two, three, four, five <laughs> exclamation marks. This is the kind of movie the rest of us have been waiting for. The last uh, of us? Double dash. No CGI. No outdoor sensibilities. Double and dash. Just good storytelling with tons of belly laughs. We were pleasantly surprised at the depth of Crystal's performance. Both of us immediately thought Oscar-worthy. 
there's no question mark. I just felt like saying it like that. And who doesn't love Tiffany Haddish? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Who doesn't love Tiffany Haddish? No, it wasn't it wasn't all capitalized. It was just Oh. Spoken in a comedy voice. Yeah. Who does how do you even like inflect that? Who doesn't like Tiffany Haddish? <laughs> like it's <laughs> how do you how do you convey both confusion and excitement in the same <laughs> like this? Who doesn't like Tiffany Haddish? Did we hear the uh that's, that's all the exclamation question marks right there. That's yeah. all the it's all she needs for Tiffany Haddish. Two M two found that helpful though. All right. Well, I got a little bit more meat and potatoes for this one. One out of ten. Go woke. Dot dot. Go broke. Shit, At least shit. put the full ellipses in there if you're gonna. For everybody doing ellipses, is usually three periods. Okay. Yes. Movie critic online. <laughs> Wow. Yes, people on IMDb do not know how ellipses work. No, I've seen I've seen all all of it, all shades and colors of ellipses, all manners. We've got ones all that wrong. are just like three periods, but there's a space between all of them. There's the four <laughs> period, the two period, the the eighteen <laughs> period. Yeah, because they think that just means a longer pause. Yeah, there's just it's for emphasis, right? Anyways. Go woke, dot, dot, go broke. My movie critic online, one out of ten. We all know why this movie was made. Billy is trying to stay hip by going woke. He goes broke. (laughs) I used to be a big Crystal fan. Got a Crystal head over here. So to him... Enter Vodka. The, <laughs> so, so to see him enter the intersectionality world is really a shame. The main problem I have is that it's not genuine. It is forced on by the woke people out there yelling and screaming. Whoa. Really? This would never happen in real life. Only in Hollywood <laughs> fantasy movie land. I wish people would just make movies they want to make, not peer pressured into making. Zero out of four found that helpful. Yeah. And that last sentence did not make sense. Is he suggesting that a black person and a white person can only be friends in a Hollywood yes. movie? Yeah. No, yeah. And and that Billy Like, what's Crystal... so woke about this movie? That there's a black woman in it? <laughs> and I, that I think that's literally this... it. The 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 mass media and the the, the mob the mob everybody the I, democratic mob out there held a gun to Billy Crystal's fucking dome, and said you're gonna make this movie with this Tiffany Haddish lady over here and you're gonna fucking like it. I, that's like such it. an amazing. We're doing it because we want you to do it, not because you think she's talented and you want to work with her. <laughs> like I love thinking and, about the motivation where they're like, yeah, Billy Crystal, that fucking racist piece of shit. The only way you yeah, can make what, it up to us is by doing a movie with a co-starring he's a black woman. trying to be woman. hip. It's like, the, yeah. is there like allegations against Billy Crystal I'm not aware <laughs> of? <laughs> You're going to write and direct this fucking movie. This is going to be a story that you came from, you came up with from the bottom of your fucking from heart. From the bottom of my like heart. It. <laughs> it's not realistic. Heart. Black people and white people can't get along. <laughs> uh, what a horse crack. Good God. Oh, all right. Well, the last one we that's got why I here. love. 
That's why I love the one. Oh, sorry. They're, they're always the racist. That's where all the because racists live. I've never seen. There's always a... the one or two racist ones that are just like, how? Wait, I've what? never seen the racist review like <laughs> be anything higher than when I have ten. Yeah, I want to see the other go, ten out of ten. Like let, they totally didn't mix the races in this. <laughs> ten out need, of ten. We need to see. Yeah, we need to look at like famously racist movies and see the ten star reviews. Like okay. Or like people uh, who like don't get it, like American History X, or they're like neo Nazis giving it like real good reviews. All like, right, yes. Jake, go look Finally, at the user reviews for, for Birth of a Nation. <laughs> oh, I was, I was looking up Song of the South. <laughs> While Jake's doing that, oh wait, <laughs> oh god, Jake's. When Jake starts laughing after he looks okay, up Song I, of the South, you, look, that's good. Well, I got fucking something. I, I gotta I, do your thing. I'm gonna proofread this. Okay, so that's don't. probably for the best. That is. Thank oh you for shit, this. it's a long one though. Um. All right, so I'm gonna give you the six out of ten review from Uper three six five. I wonder where they're from. Uh, pure Billy Crystal. Pure Billy Crystal. Uh, directed and co-written by Billy Crystal, thus we get this his classic style of wit and delivery. Haddish has come into her own as an A-list comedian, and here belting out several high-energy songs. The film has a comedy troupe that has writers and performers working within a live sketch television show, very much like SNL. Charlie is suffering with onset dementia, having trouble remembering names, including his own kids, and is having trouble having difficulty writing a memoir of his deceased wife who is told in flashbacks some of the scenes are very funny some mildly funny and some that just fell fail fall flat the story turns serious and heartwarming when he must confront his memories his distant children and of course his relationship with emma we haven't seen much of crystal of late so if you're a fan uh it's a nice little movie four out of ten four out of seven Never mind. All right, Jake. You have the old once over. Okay. I, I feel like if there was anything, so mm-hmm. I didn't finish it, but the, the, I feel like IMDb would have like, if this had anything like inappropriate, somebody would have like destroyed it. trip like a filter. So Song of the South, uh, generally one of Disney's like most racist movies, um, mm-hmm. very politically incorrect. Somebody wrote a one, two, three, four, five I paragraph review. I found a good review. one. So I'm sorry to cut you off, but I also was doing some digging. I was the brave man and went to the 10 star reviews on the birth of a nation. And oh, that's even worse. I, I found one. I found a good one, guys. <laughs> okay, because this one isn't. At, at you read yours. I'm going to proofread this to make sure there's no like okay. ethnic slurs. But Profanity. So it's, this one seems like it's it's like somebody who legitimately thinks it's not that bad and thinks it's just like PC culture. Now this was written in 2004, mind you, so not current, but still it's old. Uh, wow, what a shame! One of Disney's best films, period. Okay, not in even 2004. Just, just from a quality standpoint alone, I don't even think, regardless yeah. of the subject matter, I don't think that's true. So 10 out of 10. I recently viewed Song of the South after not having seen it for at least 15 years, if not longer. The last time I had seen this wonderful family film was when I was around nine years old during several theatrical reissues in the early 1980s. 
Okay, some say this film is politically incorrect. No, it isn't. Let me explain. And let's look at the positive messages before jumping to conclusions, please. This film is not about slavery. It is a film that has slavery in it. Yes, <laughs> but it is not the subject of the film. The subject of the film is the friendship of, between an elderly man, he's an African-American, and a nice little boy. He's Caucasian. Oh, there's exclamations like throughout this, so I'm, I'm not going to even do it. This little boy looks up to Uncle Remus as if Remus is oh, godlike. Remus. <laughs> For a 1946 film to treat a subject in this way is commendable. Tell you what, if you want to get angry at a film, try a myriad of other 1940s films and see the negative portrayals of black actors in them. You'll find none there that there, none that here at all. None that My, there. <laughs> this, that was... You'll find none of that here at all. The two separate sentences. Fuck. My opinion, and quite frankly, a truthful one. Now, enough with the 2004 cynical comments and on, on with the show. I will say that right now, it is deplorable that Disney has not released this film with movies like Gone with the Wind and the Charlie Chan Collection are being released by major studios with disclaimers, etc. Dealing with the views of some political groups who get their shots in an uproar over most of the benign issues and should focus their powers elsewhere and leave a beloved family film with a great message alone. Now, there's a little more, but it I don't think it's really going to uh, yeah. make any difference. It seems uh, like it's funny just somebody who really down likes with the, the movie. Because it, it comes up in uh, this guy's hmm. uh, review, too. Um, so this is a 10 out of 10 for Birth of a Nation by <laughs> PC Order, who has okay. two reviews on his... Uh, on his thing one for this review and the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford um okay which i guess he's he's a jesse james fan i i'm uncertain if this is poe's law like that's working really hard i'm trying to decide if this is legitimately what he believes or if he's trying to do a really good troll job i'll let the audience decide uh 10 out of 10 birth of a nation the birth of a nation shows the truth of Reconstruction in the South. Whites could not vote or serve in the government during Reconstruction. Blacks ruled in the legislatures, and this movie showed how they acted during that time. The reason many liberal whites and blacks hate this movie is because it's the only movie to ever tell the truth about Reconstruction. Who do you think Mr. Kennedy and Gone with the Wind was going out with while Scarlet and other ladies waited at home? Parentheses, the origins of the KKK. Southerners know the truth of this movie because our ancestors went through this. You, you want to really know what Reconstruction in the South was like? Watch this movie. I am a descendant of Confederates, and I know stories that have been handed down about Reconstruction. This movie is the nearest movie to ever tell the truth about Reconstruction. Seven out of twenty-one. Does it helpful? Was this right wow. after like he made his family pilgrimage to the holy site of the Piggly Wiggly? Like <laughs> they handed it down through generation after generation after. Wait, it was just the two because. <laughs> <laughs> Um, by uh, where where it really got me is like the whole I am a descendant of Confederates. Yeah, like that's where I'm like, is mm. is this a troll job? Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, wow, he is there's, passionate. 
there's the there's the racist title to review. Good uh, gravy of the nation. Um, the, 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 he, so nobody in eighth, eight hundred one k, unholy in ninth, seven seventeen k, and Tom and Jerry rounds out the top ten with four hundred forty thousand dollars. Um, oh, where's Ryo was in fifth. Uh, oh yeah, War of Grandpa, where are you? Twenty six, up two spots, up two hundred three percent week over week. <laughs> it's coming back. We're gonna. 30, it's gonna be back in number one by Christmas. And it's thirty first week in theaters. Everybody said, "Let's go out and see War with Grandpa again." I haven't seen that in a while. It's in, it's in forty-two fewer theaters, and it went up two hundred and three point seven. This supports our theory that there's just a group of people trying to keep this in theaters for as long as humanly possible. We need to it's been out these for folks. more than a year, or more than half a year. Yeah, thirty-one th- th- weeks. Thirty-one weeks. Like, that's nuts. That's damn. That's that's almost that's eight a months. Lot. That's. And I mean, you compare how many theaters it's in compared to like a lot of other movies, and it's in like a lot. Next week will be its eighth eighth month in theaters. Oh my god! You want to know something terrible? And I, I wanted to talk to you about this. If we should like watch Chaos Walking, and review it, it's mm-hmm. above Chaos Walking. Is, yeah, isn't isn't the Chaos Walking the one that? Yeah, yeah it's Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland. Yeah. What Wait, week how did that, that come out ten weeks ago? Yeah, <laughs> time's funny when you're stuck inside, Jake. Didn't that just come out though? <laughs> so ten confused. weeks ago, yeah. Jake, Jake, it's May. I know. Think about that. It is May What's right happening? now. We are almost halfway through 2021. It is mid-May. I literally thought this came out like like maybe five weeks ago, and people just shit on it. It did come out, and people shit on it, but it was 10 weeks ago. (laughs) Maybe it's just now, like, hitting... We've all been living in cells of our own making, Jake, and time gets real funny in a cell. Are we in in the Matrix? Am I hooked up up to a machine? (laughs) Am I going to have a tall head when I come out of the pod? (laughs) My my ears are all fucked up. Uh, Someone fucked me up. No, that's what was so fucked up about is the ears were fine. There was no distortion on the ears. His neck just... Stretched out like Jeffrey the fucking giraffe, <laughs> but the aspect ratio on most of the other things were was correct. That's what made it so weird to look at. Um, we're referring to a, an an image of a scene in the Matrix where Neo is coming out of the pod, and but the, whatever uh, the, whoever cropped it or posted it did some <laughs> wizardry. Yeah, so um, I'll uh, I'll repost it here for us to look at and i will put, great make sure that it's on on our yes it is on the saturn stones discord server it's the oh, most recent neck. image there <laughs> and it's man looks like he's about to reach up for some tree stars we got little neck over here <laughs> and the chin the, like the the chin's where it should be but there's just like an extra bit of neck here I guess I guess the ears are getting stretched a little bit, but they almost look complete. Girls only want one thing, and it's fucking <laughs> disgusting. This image. Speaking of lady, man D- with long Dimitriscu. neck. <laughs> I want a neck that just goes on for days. Yeah, Dame Dimitriscu in the PS1 remake of Resident Evil Village. 
Um, there's a trailer for that out. Um, or it might just be like this cutscene is is as far as he's going to go with it. But it's Resident Evil 8 in uh, PS1 graphics, and it's uh, look looks like PS1 Resident Evil. <laughs> don't don't know what you want me to say about it, but it's out there, and it's it's cool that uh, someone put the effort into to make that. I guess, but uh, is it just a filter that like pixelates the shit out of everything? Because it looks like don't know. Or is this actually how like Resident Evil One looked? That's it looks similar to Resident Evil One. That's Don't you know your game in history? Don't you know no. what Resident Evil One looked like? No, I was a Nintendo fucking stand disgrace. Back then. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sega is planning to release what it's calling a super game within the next five years. According to a recent presentation, is this quadruple A? I've heard that that meme's been going around this week. Quadruple A games. A results presentation for the fiscal year ending March 2021. That's what you come here for. Fiscal year reports. Hell um, yeah. Wrote down the company's recent financial results in detail, but also gave an indication of their plans in the near and long term future. Uh, I'm not going to go over their strategic portfolio. Um, According to the presentation, the old IP being considered for remasters, remakes, and reboots include the likes of Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio, Space Channel 5, Res, Virtua Fighter, Altered Beast, Streets of Rage, as well as other dormant IPs. So there was there was some um, remasters that could be coming our way. Hopefully JSRF is amongst them. That would be awesome. Elsewhere in the presentation, Sega declared its plans to strengthen existing IPs and build on a solid structure in three years, citing Sonic, Fantasy Star Online 2... Persona 5, Yakuza, and Total War as its main brands. Sega also revealed that it sold around 4.4 million Sonic games in the past year, despite there being no Sonic games released in the past 12 months. Mm-hmm. It also sold around 4 million Total War games, 3.8 million Football Manager titles, and 3 million Persona games. So keep an eye on Sega, because they got a lot of shit in the pipeline. I would like to see a remaster of JSRF, and I also would like to see Skies of Arcadia. I know they did one for the GameCube. Yeah. um, But that was so close to the Dreamcast version. I think we can can bring it back. Because who doesn't want to be a Sky Pirate? Mm -hmm. Also, keep your eyes on... uh, Just keep it glued, uh, in fact, to a little platform called Google Stadia, uh, which is alive and well. In case anybody is concerned with its health. <laughs> you know Google moment. has to like reassess their <laughs> reputation for abandoning projects when they have to after like six months of no news about Stadia. Yeah. Say that well, no, that... we're still supporting the platform, guys. Don't worry. We <laughs> well, haven't given up on it yet. People concerned. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was an industry with a developer, uh uh Nate lead lead Nate uh Ahern. Ahern, that Stadia is alive and well and has plans to release more than 100 new games on the platform this year. Uh, We're continuing to make Stadia a great place to play games on devices you already own, Ahern said. I'd tell any non-believers to take notice of how we're continuing to put our words into action as we grow the Stadia Makers program and partner with AAA studios like Capcom, EA, Square Enix, Ubisoft, and others. 
So we're committed. We're so committed to Stadia's continued growth that we shut down our own in-house game development studio. You know, I well, I don't think they should be developing games. I think they should focus on this if they're going to try to work with other studios and kind of be that medium between people who don't want to go get. Well, especially now more than the ever, thing when with you that, can't though, get your hands on on PS5s and stuff like that, and if they're going to be, if those are going to be like. You know, bought up by scalpers or if they're going to be a limited supply i mean i would love to play resident evil uh but i'm not going to go out like resident evil 8 i'm not going to go out and buy a, a ps3 or a ps or a ps4 or a ps5 i can't buy a ps5 i don't want to buy a ps4 um and it's not available on the pc and i would love to play god of war as well but I don't believe um, that's available on the PC right now. So actually, Resident Evil Village is available on PC. Oh yeah, that is available on PC. Yeah. Um, you can technically play some PS4 exclusives on PC using uh, PS Now. They have a cloud-based uh, thing. It is locked to 720p, 30 frames per second. So it's not. Mm-hmm a fantastic experience but it can be done um the the only issue with and it's the same thing that stadia is going to fight anyway but having their own in-house development team for stadia would mean that there are stadia exclusive experiences if stadia is just all multi-plats i think it's a harder sell because there's so little else you can do with stadia and the experiences uh, hit or miss to be well, generous well the one the one th- other thing is that you know we now live in a time where people are maybe clamoring for a little bit more portability and one of the things that i personally experience is that when i go home or travel i'm not taking my pc with me unless i have like a really good laptop which i, I really don't i don't think my surface can do too much um, and if there's a way that I could, you know, connect my a controller or something like that up to my Surface and then stream the the game that I want to play and still get pretty decent like resolution out of it, and you know, you know, minor latency problems here and there, okay. But maybe I'm not playing like these well, high yeah, intensity. It depends on your game, games. right? So like, yeah, you can deal with latency a little better in a like strategy game than you could a fighting mm-hmm. game and that's kind of the hard sell is if, if stadia was like uh if you compare stadia to something like xcloud where xcloud comes with your game pass subscription which is already a tremendous value mm-hmm. you're not having to pay monthly for a stadia subscription and then pay full price for the game on top of that and it's 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 google so who knows how long they're going to support this and what happens to your game after stadia if stadia folds you know you're, you're you've spent six you've spent full price on a game that you can no longer play potentially well well i, I i'm wondering and i don't know the specifics of it because there's probably a lot of specifics to it but if you could link accounts or something like that or maybe link a Steam account. No or, one really knows, and Google or, has been I'm, mum on this. This is why people are kind of iffy about Stadia, because it's you're it's a big ask from Google. It's a big leap of faith for from a company that has a reputation for abandoning services uh, pretty early on. Well, I mean, I I don't 
think Stadia is early on at this point, and if they're promising that they're going to continue supporting it at this stage in it, and they're Stadia's been out for I mean, like two years. Yeah, no, I don't think it's early on. That's that's very early on in a, a product I, life cycle. I, from where it is now, like Project Aura, like remember when they were talking about doing a phone drop and they it was it was all experimental and they haven't. They hadn't released like actually like a finalized product, or if they did, they were all like test sub test products. Uh, that was early on, and then they dropped it before they ever did any sort of commercial releases. But now I think they're a little bit too deep and too heavily invested in this to drop it right now. And dropping it at this stage would really be a big L for for Google and a missed opportunity because I think they definitely see the value in it, and I think they should continue doing with it. Mm. I also don't know what their I'll numbers. I'll never are. understand your fervent love for Stadia. <laughs> well, maybe I plan on getting it. I mean, I I travel. I'm gonna be traveling a lot for work too. So to be able to play any of my console games on the road. Well, isn't that like the that whole has- purpose of the Nintendo Switch? Get a PS Vita yeah, like the but- rest of us. <laughs> Yeah, but the Switch I have what Pokemon. How, how and that's good's it. your energy? Like, how good's your internet connection going to be in all these you know fucking hotels that you're going to be oh, staying in? The ho- usually the Wi-Fi there is pretty decent. Like game streaming with good latency, decent because that we'll, that's we'll a see. big demand. We'll see. We'll see how 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 good it is. How, I, a lot of a lot of reviews I've seen of it say if your internet connection isn't really good, you're going to have a, a not so great time. We'll see. I, my my cousins use it, so I'll ask him. He said, and I think he, I saw him playing it on like a plane or something like that. Do 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 do. Okay, uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is here, and it is glorious. Uh, and people are already uh, discovering some new things. Like, um, I won't spoil what it looks like, but they have uh, made a small change to Mass Effect Three. Um, where in the much criticized photo of Tally's face that she gives you if you romance her in uh, Mass Effect 3, which was just a uh, photoshopped stock image of a, mm-hmm. of a girl in a field, um, has been updated to be a little bit more unique. Um, it's in-game engine rendered and... Uh, Probably what what they had the model under the mask look like, because <laughs> uh, you know it checks out. Um, but it's a it's a different take on what Corians look like, so that's that pleased some people. Mm-hmm. Um, as we touched on, one of the major omissions from Mass Effect Legendary Edition was Mass Effect 3's multiplayer mode. But Mark Walters has said that Bioware is considering adding it in and it could make a comeback at some stage which i hope it does because honestly like i haven't gotten to mass effect 3 yet but if if the improved gunplay in mass effect 1 is any indication where it is it is so much better than the original (laughs) like oh my god it feels really good to shoot things in mass effect legendary edition um if if the improved gunplay is is any indication of what Mass Effect 3 is going to be like. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be mm-hmm. pretty consistent throughout the series. Uh, that's the whole point of the remaster. 
but it's really good gunplay. Like it's it's so not only is it so much better than what Mass Effect One's gunplay was, it's probably even a little bit better than what it, it it's one of the good things about Andromeda is that the actual action parts of it were really right. well done. Like the gameplay okay. was very dynamic. Like there's a lot of mobility options, and the gunplay was pretty good. And this is like that, maybe even a little bit better. Um, so bringing back the multiplayer mode, which was just a lot of fun. Like they they did it right, where they made it a cooperative experience. You and three up up to three of your buddies. You know, you're squatting up. You're you're running missions and assignments. You're battling the Geth or the collectors. You can play as all these there. different races and classes with access to weapons and powers that you wouldn't get to use in the original campaign it was just a ton of fun and it's still played today by people on the mass effect 3 servers and i would like to see it come back i uh because i think with the updated graphics and gameplay it would just be mm-hmm. incredible and i mean as long as we can space football tackle people i'll, <laughs> I'll be a happy man yeah um, <laughs> 505 announces a cyberpunk parkour sequel Ghost Runner 2 so um, last year Ghost Runner came out to pretty good reception mm-hmm. and they've announced that they will be working on a sequel although the original Ghost Runner will continue to see updates throughout the year so they're not abandoning support for Ghost Runner they're just uh, working on the next one so that's Good news for all you Ghost Runner fans. I, I thought when you said Cyberpunk parkour game, that's the thing now is that Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be like, you can't say, it's going to be hard to say Cyberpunk when talking about video Without games thinking of for that, a little yeah. while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to differentiate. Yeah, Cyberpunk is a genre. Yes. Steampunk. That's like if I called my game Western. Yeah. Western just... twenty seventy or Western eighteen sixty three. It's it didn't fucking uh was it Battlefield that basically made Battlefield cops and robbers? Was that was it Hardline, right? Um maybe I know there was in one of the more recent Need for Speed games, a literal cops and robbers like story mm-hmm. campaign. Where you can mm-hmm. play as either police or like uh, a, a car runner, um, but yeah, I could see there being a cops and robbers mode in one of the spin-off Battlefield games. That seems fairly Dicey-in. Yep, it was um, Battlefield Hardline. Yep, where it was all cops and cops and robbers, cops Rops and robbers, cops and robbers, forwards and backwards. Tenant. We we started at the beginning of. <laughs> I'm, we should. I don't even know how we would do it, but like I really want to like have an alternate inverted episode to push out in conjunction that would with be this one. Kind of bizarre. We uh, we'll just play half of this on like reverse. I feel like edit this to be yeah, like reverse. I, I could feel like if if I had the time and patience to really edit it out, I could just like move certain sections to like the front of the show and then have some stuff in there. But we watched Tenet. 
and uh, it sure was a movie. Sure was. It. <laughs> I, um, maybe unless I I wasn't paying attention or maybe I missed up, but I needed like clarification on stuff just to make sure I was I was understanding the the concept. So I watched a few explained videos, and there's just a lot of stuff, even like past like just the simple storyline that that's there. Yeah, this the, I think like the the basic plot, uh, at least for most of the movie, pretty easy to follow. Um, but they yeah, get a almost little, a little too tricky. Yeah, even. really simple, which makes the very complex, intricate, time weaver shit all the more difficult to get a handle on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also I I think I, I this movie had one clear the clear idea that came from which I think was the scene in the latter part of the movie that kind of climactic set piece right yeah. where he wanted to have he thought of that scene first and ironically built everything backwards from it um, yeah. yeah but to do that like from a technical standpoint I feel like it just wasn't just wasn't up to snuff it was much weaker from a writing standpoint than most Christopher Nolan movies. And I think that's where it gets the reputation of kind of being the best and worst of Chris Nolan, because what Chris Nolan, Chris Nolan's known for a few things like very cerebral action movies and really cool, like action concepts that no one's thought of before, like inception. Uh, Mm -hmm. but where Inception and like the Dark Knight trilogy really get their legs is that they're very well written movies. Tenant is a lot less so. And yes. um I don't have anything against John David Washington. I don't I haven't seen him in a lot of other stuff, so I'm not gonna say he's a bad actor, but he was very miscast in I this. I felt role. like he was given bad direction in this if it's yeah. um the the exchanges between characters didn't sound very good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, no. I know I know there's there's this meme that everyone in the Dark Knight talks in speeches, and that's true to an extent. That is something that crops up in his writing a lot. But the characters could have been in other scenes entirely. That's how little they played off of each other. Yeah. The fuck. So. Um... Yeah, let's, like everyone kind of knows the conceit of this movie, at least if you're listening for the review here. Um, if you, I guess if you haven't heard it, um, the main it's not even like a story. It's a it's a concept that there's a story around. Which it's is, a gimmick. What if you could do action scenes huh. in reverse? Like, isn't it cool how reverse how people move in reverse footage? Uh, what if we like weave that in to forward moving so he had people moving forward in action shots and people moving backward in action shots and he had them action off of each other which, which is really only a... happens in a couple of scenes because mm-hmm. it's uh logistically yeah. i think a yes i'm sure it's challenge. very difficult to to pull it off which mm-hmm. is impressive why i mean it does look really good like the action scenes in this movie look really good they're hurt by the fact you're like what wait what the fuck is happening now right and they're hurt by the um 
with characters because while that's the that's the thing that this movie is trying to sell you on like the people who are in this movie like um like you said john john washington was his name right yeah, yeah. john david washington, john david washington. The, so the main character um, didn't have a name also he feels yeah he feel he's the protagonist. He feels like yeah. a um, a Marvel. <laughs> That's my favorite line when he's like, "I'm the protagonist." <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they decided to go with that. It's like why? maybe it was a code name. I'm sure I it's like it's, some no. cute little reference that. It's, uh, I think because in the big set piece at the end, there's so much shit going on. Like I don't know why they pulled it, they carried it backwards to the beginning, but like um, definitely during the set piece, uh, there was a, there's a lot going on. And you need to know who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. So they literally call them protagonists and antagonists. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when he like, there are scenes that he's in where it feels like he's being directed like it's a Marvel movie. There's like when he's down at the dinner and he's like making quips during like this like tense um, yeah, spy dialogue. Yeah, his, his personality wasn't consistent in the movie. Like I couldn't tell you what he's like as a character because it shifted to the needs of the scene mm-hmm. is he in, it seems like in the light the lighthearted moments or the moments that should have had the lightheartedness he was serious and um kind of cryptic and he, you know, no fluff to it and then in the 10 serious moments he was like haven't slept with your wife yet ahaha yeah i or he's like he boxed that up for me, eh. like yeah. He is he a no nonsense, uh, you know, uh, hit me, wet worker who can like just get a job done, and and really like cut to the core, or is he guy who doesn't realize who's kind of like does I can't afford my expensive suit. Whoops, I don't know how to act. I don't know how much and, a vacation costs for rich people. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think the, he was trying to pull. A James Bond, but be relatable. A relatable James Bond, which is kind of hard to do when James Bond is known for being this. Oh, I John this, this espionage. John David Washington spy. was uh, the main character in Black Klansman. Oh, so nice. yeah, he yeah. can he can act well. He I mean, can. He, his yeah. his voice was kind of yeah. weird in that movie too, but that might just be his voice. And you know what you which said, Jake. I just think is is. Is this the the direction? I don't mm-hmm. think he had good enough direction. Uh, the writing may have been off. You yeah. hit on something there, Jake, when you said James Bond. I realized, like, I this is a lot. This is a very like he took a lot from James Bond. James Bond esque plot, yes, and the and just the, the yachts. No, the, mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 scene with the hydrofoil. Which why was that in the movie? Guys, because hydrofoils are cool. That's yeah. why. Because it would have made a great shot. It would have been a really cool shot, and then. People who don't know how hydrofoils work get to know how hydrofoils work, and mm-hmm. it's and they're on the yachts fuck? and they're on like fucking primo vacation, like beautiful women the, in bikinis. You know, what, it's all there, <laughs> and it kind of comes off like the the effect of it to me when I was watching it. I was like, do rich like is he trying to say that like rich people have time travel powers and that's just one of the things that rich people can do? And he's like, that's why he's telling the poor people, like, poor people, did you know, like, rich people, they have nice dinners in Greece, they have these cool boat things, they can travel through time, you know? Rich people are just so much better than you. Well, I mean, he became rich because he had access to this technology. And that's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Uh, I I think we need to shift into spoilers here. Yeah. If we're going to continue this conversation, because we're kind of, we're... 
we're sure. dancing around plot we're points. Dance, yeah. Uh, but we're, we're gonna inverting around the plot. Point. We're gonna have to hit them pretty hard here in our discussion. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Tenet, uh, my executive summary is it's got a lot of cool visual stuff in there. Watch that. Yeah. The Watch movie the... as a whole is less than the sum of its parts. Yep. Um, watch the TikToks. I never thought I'd say that, but watch the the tenant meme TikToks. Those are more fun and um, enjoyable than than this. I feel uh, this is his most. It's a it's a navel gazing sort of Nolan film where he's like, mm, I'm gonna be my most <laughs> Nolan that I can be. Yes, uh, actually that that's a good point because like um, like I was uh, we had I'd watched Kill Bill with Diane recently. <clears throat> and we watched ten together, and there is there's a parallel between the film and that. <clears throat> Kill Bill was Tarantino, just doing whatever the fuck he wanted, not really caring about yeah. how it turned out. He just wanted to put all these all these other ideas from other movies into a film, and you know try to cobble together a plot around that. And the the same can be said of here. This is all the like wacky shit that Chris Nolan's kind of known for. Um, but the, he, he didn't have an idea of how it was all going to work together. He just kind of went for it and mm-hmm. he got tenant, which is probably one of his weaker films. Uh, not to say that it's necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. I think on a technical level, of greatness. Yes, there are, there yeah. are moments of greatness and I, on a technical level, it's very impressive. Not like technical yeah. and like the CG or whatever, just like the, pulling off all these very complicated shots, and uh, you know the the cinematography in it is very beautiful. But the story's yeah. weak, the characters are weak, and you really there's not much underneath the surface. Um, so yeah, because when when you when you finally get to like the actual plot of the movie, like what what is going on, it's not it's pretty thin. Uh, and and it it takes a while to understand that thin plot because it's doing it in a way that is dealing with like time travel and just weird concepts that are really foreign to people and in order to understand that it's like you got to go through so much shit to get to this thinly veiled plot and it's not And and it's it's done with actors that are uh, not phoning it in, but it seemed to be like kind of out of place, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't, I don't think the performances were like incredible. Like there, there wasn't, wasn't like, really any shit. great powerhouse performance in this yeah. that you would typically have at least one of in a Nolan film. I would say maybe the best performance came out of either the, the villain, the, the satyr guy, um, or Robert Pattinson, and Robert Pattinson didn't have too much to do in it. His, his, I didn't or think Robert Pattinson was very good in this movie from an acting standpoint. Yeah. I think his his character was... was probably the most interesting, and that's probably why you like him. I yeah, mm-hmm. he had he had the most mystery behind him and the most. But yeah, I don't think there arc. was that character had a fucking arc. Yeah, yeah, like he's the most interesting and best written character. I didn't think the the acting performance was anything noteworthy though. Mm. That's fair. Um, um so yeah spoilers. Uh, that's general spoilers executive thoughts spoilers so going back to what i was saying i think the v- antagonist became rich 
because he had access to this technology. That's what he found. Yes. In in Russia, when he went in with mm. during the, the nuclear fallout and and whatnot. Um, yeah, when he digged up, did, when he dug up the the plutonium and found out there was a bunch of gold. But as you get they... further into the movie, the origin point of this technology gets murkier and murkier and murkier, which should be the opposite. You should have a greater understanding of of where this all what kicked everything off by the end but you don't because they sneak in like right in the last couple minutes to like oh this has been your operation this is your temporal pincer that you've been doing for years and years and years and years and years temporal pincer what a cringy but like the first time it's fine adequate the second time i'm like okay they brought it back and like okay it's a term the third time i was like yeah slowly roll when he's when he's walking back onto the ship it's like it's your temporal pincer yeah because like a temporal pincer like oh yeah that's that's a concept you can employ here and then when they bring it back the second time like you said peter it's for the climax it's like okay i got this plan let's do that which but is then good when because they have it, you are doing a big fucking it's a big fucking timey-wimey bullshit use the ter- use the strategy that you explained earlier in the movie yes mm-hmm. um and then when they bring it back the third, like when that's just like a term in the lexicon of this movie, you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. That's, that's kind of icky. It's heavy handed. It's like it's a little icky. It's wordy. Mm-hmm. It's cringy a little bit too. I, um, now I will I will kind of um, push a little bit against the that we should learn where this came from because the kind of the other theme of this movie is that. It's the coldest Cold War spy Cold War that you ever Cold War, and no one can know anything, and it's all mysterious. Um, and that kind of thing, I'm like, okay, it's supposed to be this grand plan that's bigger than any of us that you'll never understand. Um, that being said, I forget what... Fuck, I forgot where my point was going. <laughs> Shit. Um, I mean, I, I'm not against War? mystery in some of the aspects of the story but you kind of start and end in this maybe that was the plan because the grand symmetry of of inverting but you kind of start and end in the same place yeah as as an audience member in terms of your grasp of what the fuck's going on in the middle you kind of think you got it and and you do have more information by the end I'm I'm confused at why I guess you're lost like you were in the beginning. No, I get it. Like movie. during the during the attack, the attack on yeah. s- the Stusky Booski Twelve, um, yeah. you just kind of feel it. Like you 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 feel like you're just there with them, and you don't need to pay attention to the details because you're like, okay, it's just a forwards backwards time war thing. You can just watch the building explode in reverse, and you're like, all right, cool. Like I didn't, ex- I didn't un- really understand what the fuck the plan was, other than there was a forwards team and a backwards team, and they're doing the thing. Um, yeah. And that's the really, that's the one piece of information that you really need to know, and the rest is just like watching it happen. And it makes you feel like, okay, I, I don't know what's going on, but I know what's going on. I know yeah, what yeah. the the narrative importance of what's going on is. And then after, when he pulls the twist, reveals where I'm just like. Okay, yeah, and there I'm are a few again. there are a few reveals and things in the scene too, like with with the backpack, and just 
all the places Neil oh, yeah, is, and he, uh, that he's like I guess been doing this loop multiple times to make sure everything is where it needs to be for it to be successful. And mm-hmm. like we haven't really established that you can like create a time loop like that with this technology. Yeah. That's well, the big thing that started loop. me out was um, if I, I had to sum up this movie, loop, it's the one scene where he's like, "It's not time travel; it's reverse chronology." I'm like, and I'm just like, "You lied to me. You, you <laughs> lied to your whole audience. This is this is time travel. You just ended up making a time travel plot." Well, with okay. extra steps, it. It is time travel, but the reverse chronology is that you're... So, the, we should explain, like, how the inversion works. So, you get inverted using this turnstile-type machine, and then you start going... You yourself, your body is going backwards, and you're experiencing the world backwards. Like, the world around you is going forward, but you're going backwards in it. So, um... Your entropy so is, is reversed, which I, it does, doesn't really work. <laughs> scientifically what they explain it. <laughs> like they're saying entropy is reversed that would so mean like, everything if, would become perfectly ordered <laughs> so like like uh heat is now you experience Which... heat as like uh cold i i guess i guess it's the heat is sucking everything would want to go to its highest heat. energy state yeah it's i Yes, it's a crocker horse. It's a crocker horse pooey. The, the techno babble um, in this is is pretty bad because it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of recognizable scientific concepts that are are not accurately. Which portrayed. is which is like, weird. Like so it's when a, Robert Panzer was like reverse positrons and neutrons. <laughs> it's a it's a disconnect too because they do do the scene where like don't don't fucking worry. It's just it's just tech mumbo jumbo. But then they spend a lot of time like expositing to the audience what the fuck's going on including some like i don't know i guess what would be we we could assume like simple shit like we were talking before this where they have to explain what the fuck a grandfather paradox is yeah and they take like a minute and it just it just drops from story into it's exposition time guys i'm gonna explain the concept they do it with with a couple different things yeah that is something i i noticed too like they felt it felt like they were in between whether or not they wanted to be like okay you don't have to understand what's going on just look at the pretty pictures and then like somewhere in the production someone was like uh i'm getting cold feet on this concept let's try to explain some of these things to the audience and it just Um, doesn't organically fit into the flow of the movie yeah i'm wondering if there was like a first cut where it didn't like no explanation and people were just lost Which and I, the I movie didn't, fine with. didn't mesh well yeah. i could see and, that and i could see getting the they explain yeah. more mm-hmm. i could see like getting that feedback from a test audience like yeah you the three of us would probably have been okay if they didn't take as much time to exposit everything but there are other people who go to movies who have different knowledge bases different experiences different you know amounts of cinema that they've seen who might want more clear explanations of what's going on and i could see them having to rush back and kind of do a, pick up a few reshoots and slip some shit in there oh. because the the first cut didn't do well with test audiences and it do, and that would make sense i don't know if that's true to the to life and how this movie came to be but it would make sense because 
of like you said, Peter, they just almost on a dime drop into explaining mm. of the concepts. Yeah, and it it's not just the exposition too. It feels like there are some scenes in this where, where the dialogue like kind of halts or it stops, and we we get to listen to uh, Chris Nolan reading a TIL or reading out a Reddit comment. The first <laughs> time I saw this, that was just stuck out to me was when he's trying to sneak in to the when he first learns about Tenet. He learns about the secret plan or whatever. This they don't even call it a plan. It's just like here's a word, figure it out. Um, and he goes to a place, some place, um, and he goes in, and the lady's like, you know, with a with a clipboard and a high vis vest, you can get almost anywhere. And I'm like, that's that's like a shower thought me. Reddit, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 so when I heard that because I had seen that recently, but it was after the movie came out on Reddit, and I'm like, which came? From, is this, who's the chicken? Who's the egg here? Did, did Reddit steal this <laughs> from Tenet, or did Tenet steal it's this from It's all a part yeah. of the movie, man. It's all a part of the movie. I love this movie now. It's so meta. <laughs> <laughs> it goes into Reddit. You have to finish the movie on Reddit, man. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> of course. Oh, I've got so much I want to fucking say about this movie. Um, one one note about, like, for the big set pieces, the cinematography is, is fine. For some of the other parts of the movie, not so great. Remember that part where they're in, like, the island nation or whatever and he's on the ruins on the cliffside talking to cat he and cat are oh talking, yes and yeah. the oh, background god. just looks like ass yeah. oh my god it was like dude you are on the greenest of screen <laughs> be more out of place i don't know what went wrong with that if they had a bad lighting or what but it just like somebody just photoshopped in the background of the Amalfi Coast. They did Coast not balance that light in that backdrop, and I'm like, oh my god, be more out of place. There would be scenes where, <sighs> and usually, so usually his diet, his uh, use of music is pretty good. Like he's he got a Warner Herzog, and he's like, all right, we're gonna make the score fucking rocket. Um, but. There are some scenes in this where they're just like talking about mundane shit, and the score is just like ratcheting up. It's like, yeah, like that's like, that's you're Chris talking Nolan about like fucking shit. dinner or some shit. This has that, no, this does not match at all. It's literally the Inception meme. Like he he mm-hmm. leaned yeah. into all the like, oh, Chris Nolan always does this, but when you watch his movies, you're like, oh, right, that's a little exaggerated. It's not exaggerated in this movie. He ratcheted up. This is Chris Nolan turned to eleven, mm-hmm. with worse writing than in a typical Chris Nolan movie. So all the flaws are more magnified. Um, I think this is a movie that is like Inception in many ways, especially at the climax where they're really pushing the boundaries of everything they've established up to this point, the whole premise. Like at the end of Inception, they're like five levels deep and you've learned all these rules about how Inception works the whole movie and they're really pushing the boundaries of those rules. Tenet's rules are a little less strict. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They they did that in this movie too, where at the end they took that concept and they pushed it to the max. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the climax is Should I say pushed it to the kneel because if you if you go through the like the timeline of where neil is and when he inverts and goes forward at that point he i think is like six or eight different versions of himself are happening at the same time yeah because there's 
um, and big spoiler alert, and I, I believe it's like confirmed or it's alluded to that Kat's son, Max, is Neil in the past. And then there's this other version of Neil that's just gone through different inversions uh, to that point where he's just like working for this organization to like he's working for the protagonist help stop his father yeah which so is is where it gets uh, really kind of bendy with like this this doesn't really work within even within the framework you've established for how this works like this this concept doesn't seem possible yeah, to have the, to have them so many different versions, of especially yourself really with weird, like, and it doesn't. Isn't it weird how they kind of like disregard the forward self thing? Because he fucking fights his forward self while he's inverted. Well, that's why he has to wear. Well, that's why he has to wear the. Um, but you're not like, even supposed to like suit. let them. See, I, I guess, yeah. Part because that's because they explained. They said, "Well, you can't touch yourself. Your own particles. Like, it's like a, own, it's like time splitters yeah. rules." So so they're like wear gloves. <laughs> yeah. If your skin your skin can't touch them or some of that because in in this case because they they have everything down to like the oxygen that you breathe is even inverted. Like the only air that you can breathe is inverted oxygen. And everything every particle every object on your body has that inverted But also state. that kind of brings up an interesting point there. Like if it's you can't have physical contact with your inverted self but if they're like wearing gloves or whatever that's fine yeah how does that work with like objects in containers like the air wouldn't wouldn't the air inside remain uninverted because just the tank would be inverted yeah i i I don't know it doesn't work within its own framework that's what i'm trying to say the rules you've established this kind of kind of related but this brings me to like why he decided to do it like this um and it it, ne- it wasn't even about the concept it was about the scene the scenes that he wanted to have because yes. the concept has a lot more stretch and during the beginning of this movie where i thought they'd be using it more was like some of these some of these heist scenes like where he has to meet priya on the top of the building and they know about inverted materials at this point and I was thinking, like, oh, how are we going to get up to the top of this building from the outside? We can't get a bungee cord up there. If they Imagine if they had an inverted bungee cord, yeah. and then it just flew up to the top floor by yeah. itself, and they reverse bungeed up. That would have been sick. Like, imagine like, if they had to sneak into the airport with, like, a heist thing. So they brought in a smashed gun, a smashed inverted gun, as like and pretend to be janitors with trash. And then when they got in, the gun reassembled itself into their hands. There's some, there's like, some cool like they shit had you some can do. Really, yeah, they had they had a really cool, interesting concept, but they used it in like the least creative ways. Ever. Well, they tried to get too. I think they the issue is they got a little too creative, and they tried to get really high concept with it instead of just the, doing the cool shit that would have been easier to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe the cool concept or like the the the, the mental concepts of like oh I'm just inverted. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The they tried to get a little high society that. with this premise that yeah didn't really need like, to what do people that. Wanted were like we wanted more cars flipping in reverse. Yeah, they very <laughs> they like, didn't use it a ton in a lot of the action scenes right until the climax, and even then it wasn't really woven into the fabric of like the action in the scene it was woven into how the action was progressing the story but you didn't have a lot of intermingling 
by design uh, mm-hmm. of the inverted and forward-moving teams. Yeah, and while we're on the kind of the topic of high-concept stuff, did it bother anyone else that the like the whole B- Cats plot was like an entirely different B-plot about like domestic abuse and like yeah. standing up to your... Like, I'm not not saying that's a bad story. That's not what I'm saying. Don't misinterpret what I, my words that I come out of my mouth. Oh, uh, you're canceled, Pete. Um, but in your World canceled. War III time Cold War story, um, I don't think there's enough, especially when you spend this much time, it's about the tech and it's a, you spend your narrative budget explaining this concept of the war and this concept of the technology I don't think you have enough narrative budget to fit in a domestic abuse story. Yeah. You could it, make it about that. You could make it the themes of the movie weave into that. Um, but they didn't. I think they, they just kind of wrote themselves into a corner there because they wanted to give her a motivation to betray her husband. But they didn't need to write her character as his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there's the unforced error there. I agree with what you're saying. And it is it does kind of feel like it's just shoved in there for reasons. So Cuz her scenes feel so much different than the other scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, she is almost in a different movie. Um but yeah, it's I think a lot of this I'm not going to say it's bad again cuz I think it's it's an okay movie and there's some really cool shit in there but it's dragged down so much by its story and how like mm-hmm. incomprehensible mm-hmm. it can be at times. Yeah, um, my final... I think a lot of its praise is buoyed by the fact that this was the first real blockbuster to come out during the pandemic, and, and people felt like it was mm-hmm. a, a big like marker in, in the progress coming from the pandemic that... They're like, oh, yes, we're back in theaters. We're watching a big Chris Nolan blockbuster. This is great, even if the movie itself wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. I feel like I almost want to compare this to, like, I want to watch, I want to watch, uh, go and watch Dunkirk now and be like, okay, let's compare how his, like, really complex movies compared to his. I think Dunkirk is pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. It's like a just a rescue movie about like the nineteen. But it's it's you know, even like one. You know, you can put it up against like Inception. You know, it's a similar like we we have these rules, we have this like sci-fi uh, thing that's going to drive the whole plot forward. Like that's basically what you've come to the movie to see. But Inception succeeds. Because it has stronger characters and better writing and, you know, better chemistry with the cast. Where Intendant fails because it is more purely just a a tin can around the, like, action bits. I think, yeah, Inception does a little bit better job of, like, explaining its, its, I guess, um, what, what, what are those called? Like, the the plot element or whatever, the, the driver, the conceit, the, 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 dream. Yeah, the conceit the, driving the dream force. inside a dream, the mechanics, technology. Yeah. yeah. Mechanics. There's like a mechanic that, that is involved with inception. It does a better job at explaining that because it's a little bit more simple. And I, everybody says inception is such a complex movie. 
after watching it and like like understanding it if you know what to look for it's not that complex but a lot of people it's not that complex i think people just like they go into the end of the movie and they're like oh my god it's still the dream at the end I, i don't really think so it's it's like it's pretty straightforward with how it how it was written um but this one you got the different time traveling and you got the different same characters happening at the same time different instances of themselves like neil was at the opera he was also at that battle uh two different times he was lock picking that gate sacrificing himself and also trying to warn them and save them out of that yeah hole. that's what i mean with like, like the, the time loop where he's like in three so, different spaces like they didn't well it's really, not a time loop. well kind of because it's he just, keeps running the mission back again to be in the the spot they need him to be in for the mission to work like he needs to be there to pick the lock and be here to do that thing. Like he can't do those all in one pass. And that's what he says. He's like, I'm going back and I'll get him on the next pass. It's not infinite, but he does do the circuit a couple times. Oh, okay. He just, yeah, he just, cause he dies. He, you yes. see him die. Yes. yes. He dies. Yeah. And he, he loops like, back so it's... over and over again. And then he dies at the end of like his last pass is, is when he dies. So when I when I saw that scene when I when he's talking to him and he's going to get on the helicopter and he's like I'm gonna go get him on the next pass I took that as he's going back to base so he can restart the battle and go pick the lock for him like he just did and die like that's the last time he's gonna see him alive. Well, yeah, it's it's the end, and we that's we know we that. we see his end. But he he's gone through and done this battle multiple times is what yeah. I'm saying, and like they didn't really establish that you could do that. Like it it's just kind of. Well, I mean, I guess it. it makes I mean, sense it, they, they 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 establish it there. Like that's where that's established that that can be done, and like that's the the crux on which the entire rest of the plot hinges with him being able to like have the main character, the protagonist, being in like different like four or five different time spots throughout the movie i guess what was what was a little see it's confusing (laughs) we're we're having these these discussions where we're not all entirely sure we're on the same page well because um and i've even like gone through explanations of like i guess the only confusing part was there was multiple instances of himself um but wasn't wasn't um uh, Robert Pattinson's like whole thing, like oh, what happens happens, like what what has happened happens, like you can't go back and change mm-hmm. things, you can't go back and like, like because when he was saying to the protagonist, you can't invert yourself and go back and try to stop something. They also outright lie about how it works at times, and how so? Like, Which well, not like how it works necessarily, but like what can and can't be done and like one of the things that the protagonist says is you know lying standard operating procedures and if he's if neil's a disciple of them he might say that to get him to move like why he didn't tell him that he he was the inverted dude in the beginning because he needed to not tell him that in order for him to act in the way that he needed to like the whole thing is a giant paradox that doesn't really stand up to critical evaluation of how this is all supposed to work within one or two or even however many timelines it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they also go back to that, that line, ignorance is our ammunition, which is their motto. About oh, they, how they love, just, their, they they love to, their pithy code yeah. phrases. 
uh, where they have to they have to keep people in the dark in order for things to work because if they told them about things in the future, like so, I guess but, it's yeah. Like, so uh, if if you can't like, change the past, were... then what's the worry with that? I guess like that's where it's kind of like at conflict with itself again because if yeah. if you can't go back and change the past, then how is saying what happens in the future supposed to alter the course they take? Like, where's the danger? You know. Like it, it mm-hmm. time travel can get very confusing when you get into the minutia, and this movie just is all minutia. It just dives in yeah, there and yeah. bathes in it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, because I think because because all other time travel movies have just been so instant, instant like time travel, and this is like you have to live through the time. And maybe travel there's story, a reason you know I mean? they were all instant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of annoying little things that happen, uh, you know, when you live through, you know, going in reverse and shit. Mm-hmm. I I want to put this out there. Should this movie have been a sequel? <laughs> like where the to, first one comes out next year? <laughs> they should. Well, okay. What's in this movie feels like it's a develop. A lot of what this movie feels like it's a development on what should have happened in a movie we we should have already gotten, right? Oh, like an origin story? Yeah, I feel like it no, could no, work like, the, like... Tenet should have been... Like, this movie, I guess, what I'm saying, should have been the introduction to the world, uh, the, the kind of goal that they're trying to do to save the future, save the past, save the cheerleader, save the world, or whatever. The characters and some of the tech. And then the second one, which is... Second one should have been what this movie was, where you take those concepts and use them to tell, like, the character's backstory and try and tell something a little deeper. You know? Maybe it works better that way. I don't... I don't know. I just... I don't think you can really pull this story off. Mm. I think you just have to sell out for it being a, an excuse for cool action scenes and not try to get yeah. as complicated with the plot. Plus, plus they also want to explain less. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- leave things more open like to Luther. like, hey, this is just yes, how exactly the world like works. Yeah. Um, I will put also out there that he almost did like bait a sequel for this. Where he's like, yeah, we have a lot of adventures. We go through a lot of cool stuff yeah, that happens. Yeah, we get up to some shit. Yeah. Then maybe you'll see it in the second Tenet 2. Two tenant two. <laughs> okay, two tenant, two tenant. Okay, Jake. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look through the things that he's directed. And what oh, it is a palindrome. Universe? That's why it's yeah. called tenant. Oh uh, yeah, I see. Well, it actually, um, and the whole movie is uh, a part of the the uh, Seder circle or Seder square, if you've known about that. Um, is that why I, it's I did not Seder? know about it. So the yeah so there's something that was found I believe in Pompeii or ancient Rome or some of like that uh, that was called the Seder Square which is an, a, a tablet that has the words Seder uh, what is it uh, Apero yeah Seder Apero Tenet Opera and Rotas written on in, in five lines and any way you turn that tablet both across and vertically, so both horizontally and vertically, will have Seder, Apero. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, one of those magic square kind of deals. Right. So it's like a magic square, yeah. So it works with those five words. And in this movie, the villain Seder 
the love affair, the code, apero, the, the, code words, tenet, uh, the yeah. word tenet, and then the the scene in the so, opera, and the scene in the opera are all, uh, you know, in this movie, and they never reference the square, but it it this movie is basically that, you know, right. and uh, and even the movie starts at the opera scene, and then it ends, it, it kind of comes full circle at the. Not the opera scene, but at the same time as the opera. Mm-hmm. Is when is when that happens. Nifty. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that's my final verdict. Nifty. Yeah, that's gonna wrap, put a bow on this uh, discussion here. Our our podcast, yeah, nearly the length of Tenet itself. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, please stop by Twitch TV backslash Saturn Studs tonight. We got more Divinity Two on tap. Um, if you like to support the show, easiest way you can do that is just listen every week. If you have a little more in you than that, you can leave a review. Uh, you can also support us financially. There's a donation link in the description of each episode. If you're so inclined, if you're not, don't, don't really worry about that. It's just a little, little tip. Like you tip your, tip your delivery guy. Mm-hmm. We'll give you the tip, tip your delivery guy. Not too much because they make full, full money, but like. Give them a little something. Yeah, don't give them the full tip. Just give them a little bit of the tip. A little bit. Just like a little bit. A little bit of the port. Cool. Um, All right. Yeah, that's going to wrap up episode 263 of the Saturn Studs podcast. Please tune back in next week. Saturdays is the day that the show drops. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye bye.